Libby Writes with Brian Scott Libby. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Happy Friday. I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Rippey Rides podcast. We have an absolute dynamite Friday show for the people out there. I hope everyone is doing well. Ole Miss Alabama week. I'm in a good mood. I hope you are in a good mood too. I really have no idea why I am just high on life right now. I think it's probably from the sense that Ole Miss is somewhat relevant again in football. Some of it's envy. I covered Ole Miss, for those of you who don't know, through the Matt Luke year. So I started in football towards the end of 2015, and my time on the Ole Miss football beat was 2016 through 2019 and part of 2020. So I, I didn't really get games like this. So I'm just – I don't know. I'm in a good mood. We have an awesome slate of games this weekend. I'm pumped to kind of analyze and – and opine on a game that matters for the first time in quite a while. I am just excited that we have college football back. We have a packed Friday show, as I mentioned off the top, before we got into that rant. We have former Ole Miss offensive lineman Sean Rawlings on the show, a good buddy of mine. Um, Honestly, I was just sitting there thinking, like, what are we going to do for this Alabama Friday podcast? And I shot him a text. I was like, who better to talk to than Sean Rawlings? If you remember, he was the – kind of next man up in the whole Laramie Tunsil debacle. He was a red shirt project. Or I say red shirt project, a recruitment project on the offensive line, red shirted his freshman year and was not really supposed to play a ton as a red shirt freshman. Then all of a sudden he finds himself in Bryant Denny stadium in 2015 playing right tackle for the last team to win in Bryant Denny. So who better to talk to about winning in that building than Sean Rowling. So we got into a lot of different stuff. A lot of it was really just the prep of that week, um, what went into that and how hard it is to win on the road in the Southeastern Conference, and then got into some other stuff with his career. Enjoy talking with Sean again. It's, it's been quite a while, probably too long, probably checking with people more often than that. But uh, he was awesome. I think you'll enjoy the interview. And then we're going to go to Greg's picks after that. And look, I just got to tell you, this is a long podcast, but – my man, Greg, I think I told you guys on the show two weeks ago, when I call Greg, I never really know what to expect. The man was in rare form. I call him, looked like he'd maybe been at the library for a bit. All of a sudden, you know, we have some internet snafus, and then he's like, give me two minutes. I call him. He's at LB's, appears to be eating some sort of chicken wings. He called them flat wings. Not really sure what the deal was on that. But he's as happy as a clam rocking a Bob Baffert T-shirt with a couple lights on inside LB. So trust me, if, if you hate the pick segment of the podcast, if you love the pick segment of the podcast, there's going to be a little something for everybody in there. You're going to want to stay tuned. And then I sprinkled in the Skybox Sports Picks free plays at the end of the podcast so if you make it through this marathon of a podcast you get the skybox free plays i understand in al gore's internet you have the fast forward option i'm just going to assume you people are upstanding individuals and won't fast forward to the end but i'm just telling you the skybox sports picture at the end and that's your little nugget for making it through the end of the podcast kind of like when i was a kid i used to get starburst for making 100 in the toilet whatever same type of deal anyway uh, we got a pack show. I'm looking forward to it. Six and one on the Skybox free plays. Got another round of NFL games this week. They're 19 and six on the year. That was the Skybox ad. I guess I have to say, 
podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Fix. Who is Skybox Sports Fix? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's nothing else I need to say about Skybox Sports Fix. We don't even need to do ad reads today. Greg needs no introduction. If you're a Rippy Rights subscriber to the Rippy Rights newsletter, that's rippyrights.substack.com. You get a 16-ounce prime strip for 15 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger, the best place in Mississippi to get meat. Skybox needs no introduction. They've made a ton of y'all money. I keep getting texts about the promo code, and I'm glad that's taken off. They are awesome. Six, 19 and 6 on the year to date in the NFL. There is no need for your typical ad read. Let's get to Sean Rollington. Let's get this rolling because it is a football Friday, and Ole Miss is playing a game that matters again. Let's roll. All right, we now welcome on a very awesome guest, Probably one of the few good ideas I've had since we started this podcast. Old pal of mine, Sean Rawlings. You probably better know him as a three, four, I guess four-year starter for the Ole Miss Rebels from 2015 to 2018, redshirt in 2014. Uh, The reason I had this idea, I hadn't talked to you in a while, and I was like, damn, what are we going to do for this Friday podcast, Alabama week, like kind of a lot of parallels to 2015. Like what better to talk to the guy who kind of, you know, became a college lineman in 2015 basically particularly that night how you doing my friend doing well rippy thanks for having me on absolutely it's good to see you again it's been a while um i know we were texting earlier this morning and uh, i appreciate the just immediate availability this is like like very on brand for just me to be like hey can you do a podcast in like eight hours and you're like yeah man no problem absolutely so i appreciate that what uh? Let's first let's start. What's a, what? What have you been up to? Life after football. I know we were talking about it earlier, but just kind of our listeners probably wondering. You're in Charlotte, North Carolina. What you been up to? Yeah, so I've been uh, I've been in Charlotte for a year. Been in North Carolina for two years, and um, doing orthopedic device sales. So I am with uh, Striker currently, and doing joint replacement. So it keeps me busy, and um, yeah, just hanging out on the weekends. There's a lot to do up here, so. Having a good time. Did you know much about Charlotte when you moved there? I've been there twice, and every time, like both times I went, I'm like, damn, this place is cool, but like I just didn't know a lot about it coming in. It seems like an awesome southern city. I knew nothing about it, man. I didn't, I didn't know anything. So I started dating. Um, so Courtney Carroll uh, is my girlfriend. She played soccer at Ole Miss. Yeah. And her family's from Davidson, which is like 30 miles north. Um, I'd never been to Charlotte until I started dating her. Then we came up here. Um, and just fell in love with it, dude. There's so much to do up here. It's like I live in South End, um, so what, right along what they call the light rail. Um, there's a bunch of breweries and stuff. So yeah, I mean it's active. It's a lot of fun, um, and there's so many areas that are like it. It's just it's kind of popping. It's a beautiful area of the country too, and it probably doesn't mm-hmm. get enough credit for that as well. I one of the guys I lived with during graduate school, his mom moved to Asheville and like that was really the first time I heard anything about Asheville it's like the craft brewery like craft beer capital of the world like all kinds of cool stuff doing Asheville and there I feel like there's a bunch of towns in northern and south Carolina like that where you just wouldn't think about it but it's really just kind of an awesome part of the country yeah I mean us growing up in Jackson it's like it's foreign because you got you drive west and you got the mountains in Asheville and all these breweries and then you can go east and go to the beach it's like three hours away which, I mean, we had Orange Beach, but, you know, you got the mountains in your back pocket, too. So it's no um, Pearl River, but it'll probably do. It's no Pearl River. That's right. But taking the four wheelers out there and our Yeti coolers and having some beers. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, we did so, not drink the we did not drink beer underage. That's no. true. We don't condone that on this podcast ever. We don't. Oh. <laughs> so you're obviously crushing it. You're doing well in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and kind of taking you back, going down memory lane a bit. One of the reasons we talked, we kind of talked about like this whole deal before. I, we chatted on the phone for quite a while in 2019 when Ole Miss was about to go play a game at Memphis. And they had Nick Broker going to start as a true freshman at left tackle. And immediately when this kind of came about, you like you popped up in my head. I was like, I need to talk to Sean about this. No one would know better than this because, and we talked about this on the show a lot. I do a Sunday show with Weldon Rodenberg, who's a recruiting specialist for Ole Miss for a little bit, got out of the industry, lives in Houston now. But if there's one position in college football that you really just don't really plug and play, it's the offensive line. And so when Ole Miss was about to go play a pretty decent Memphis team that year, and they had a true freshman starting at left tackle, like there was no one better than you to talk to about that. And I actually, on the way home from work today, was rereading the story. And I kind of just like, I, I wanted to take it in a bunch of different directions after that. But like, I guess we'll start there. How hard is it from the time you get on campus? You had the red shirt year and you were a guy yeah. coming out of MRA. You're taking as Developmental project like sounds demeaning, but for offensive linemen, it's really not. Like you kind of yeah, knew no, the deal exactly high school, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it, I mean it was developmental because, like, I, I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you, like, I'm not the most. I wasn't the most athletically gifted. I wasn't the biggest guy on the on the O line. So, I mean, but they see potential, right? And that's why they recruit you. You have the frame, whatever. So you go in the redshirt year, and that's huge for offensive linemen because like you said, it's not plug and play. Like you're going to Bama and you're lining up against, I, I guess maybe like Josh Allen that year. And he's been, he's three years in, he's an NFL guy. It's, I mean, like there's so much of a gap between a true freshman, even a redshirt freshman versus those guys. So that's why it's not really plug and play. It's just, there's, there is a talent gap. Obviously with some people like Larry Tunsil, not probably a little bit less for him, right? But me going in and as a redshirt freshman to Alabama, uh, you just got to be at the t- peak of your game. You know, you got to be honed in in every little aspect. So, yeah, it's it's different. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting. So we were talking for that 19 story. I was just kind of asking you, like, what do you have to do? Even just like intangibles aside, I think you had a quote in there. I'm sure I quoted you perfectly accurately and didn't twist anything, but it was like, you kind of got to be like, honestly, like you kind of got to grow up. Like this is a job. Like it's no longer, you're just a kid playing football, enjoying the college experience. You talked about, I think watching additional film with Conyers every day after practice, once you kind of figure out what your situation was like, it becomes a full-time job pretty much immediately when you're in the mix. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You grow up quick because you, I think we played Fresno State and UT Martin first yeah, two games absolutely. that year. So it's like, yeah, I mean, butterflies going in, sure, redshirt freshman, you're getting thrown into the fire a little bit because Laramie had just gotten suspended um, for whatever compliance reason it was. Um, he had just gotten suspended, so it's like, all right, it's time to grow up. But when you go into SEC play, it's like, all right, now it's really time to grow up. So – we, I mean, I had installed those habits after throughout redshirt year and whatever. So once you actually get to that Alabama game, uh, you, you lean on leadership a lot more. And that's what I did. And there, 
I mean, God, the leadership on that team was phenomenal. Um, so during that game, like everybody's locked in regardless of what the score was, you know, they started coming back and we'll probably talk about it later, but they started coming back in like the uh, end of the third and beginning of the yeah. fourth. And it's like, they start singing Dixieland delight in the stadium. And they're like, Oh God. But you look <laughs> over to the guys next to you and it's like Evan and Chad are standing there and they're locked in and uh, just talking to us. So it's leaning on, I mean, the leadership on that team helped a lot, um, you know, more than, I realized at the time, but I, I think that's, that's one of the biggest aspects too. Did that know? redshirt year suck? I know you probably realized in the back of your mind, you needed it, but the fact that you're just going through all the year and you're kind of getting the shit kicked out of you at practice all the time, yeah. knowing you it need to get stronger and not going to play, does that get demoralizing? What was that like? A little bit. I mean, you got to put the ego aside, right? right. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't consider myself egotistical. I don't think so. Um, so I kind of en- enjoyed the fact of kind of being in it, but away from it at the same time. But the more you go into the season, the more you're like, God, I can't wait to actually be out there. Um, so yeah, at times it was tough, um, but it, it was so needed because coming in from MAIS, it's, I don't care what you say, but you got to have time to adapt to the speed. Um, I think personally, so, and adapt physically. So, so what were they having you do? I know you needed to gain a little bit of weight and I was actually going to get yeah. to that in a minute. Cause the weight you were listed at that night, we'll get to that in a second, but like the, that off year, like where you're red like, what are, are they just trying to get you stronger? What specifically did they want out of you? So I had, I had like a, uh, I had a misconception of gaining weight. Okay. So I, I used to, my brother and them, they had a uh, house on North Lamar. Um, it was called the bike shop. It's right yeah. there past Volta. Yeah. And I remember weeknights, we would do like secret Wendy's runs, you know, that Wendy's <laughs> over there by the movie theaters. Like, yeah, let's just go and get, get as much food as we can eat. I got to gain weight. I'm going to, I'm going to eat some, uh, I'm going to eat some uh, secret Wendy's. So my body fat percentage went higher than it should have. And um, I had to kind of take a step back and my strength coaches, you know, met with me and they're like, all right, so, so we got to get you below this limit. And um, so that, that became a lot of the focus because I didn't realize what, what weight I needed to gain. And, um, but the strength staff was phenomenal too. So it was a lot of uh, leaning out and then gaining weight. And I think going into my redshirt freshman year, I was kind of, I was still a little underweight, if I remember right, um, because I was so focused on controlling my body fat. And also, I broke my arm that year too. That didn't help that spring. Yeah, that probably um, doesn't help things. Yeah, right. So one arm was smaller than the other. And I was like, all right, I got to do some curls on this arm. But yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a lot of lifting. Uh, we used to have freaky Fridays go on Friday mornings and you, you wouldn't even want to get out of the car after because you thought you were going to throw up. So it was, it was fun, but so you, a get good time through, doing it. you get through that year and let's go to fall camp of 2015, your red shirt freshman year. I know the, like, I actually don't, I wasn't covering 
Ole Miss football at that point. I was really just kind of getting my start in like the whole media landscape. I was kind of doing some practice stuff, but I was not like covering the team remotely what you would think like, you know, nowadays. And so I don't remember this because I was mostly just a student at this point. I, the Laramie Tunsil things percolates at some point before the season happens. I remember that, which is really not that relevant. It, like, what are you, what's your mindset heading into camp? Do you think you're going to play? Where are you the first day of camp in 2015? So first day of camp, I'm, I'm running with the twos. Um, so you're in the mix. That, like, that's not, that's not in the a mix. foregone conclusion. You're not going to play at all. Right. But I mean, you've got Laramie Tunsil ahead of you. Right. So it's like, all right, I'm, I'm in the mix. I'm ready to relieve when I'm, when I'm able. Um, I was at tackle that first year. Um, going into the spring, I actually ran a little bit with the ones because I, we had some, like, plague of injuries. I think Aaron Morris tore his ACL the year before, if I remember correctly. Um, Robert did something, Conyers. So I, it was like five of us out. And um, I ran with the ones – uh, ended up broken my breaking my arm because of JP Sherling. It was a uh, nightstick fracture. He took his helmet to my ulna, Ooh. and uh, yeah. And I remember after after practice, we would do like these conditioning drills. Coach Luke would do, and it would be like tossing a ball. You remember figure eight in basketball when you do like yeah. stuff? We were sitting there tossing the ball with each other. But this is a medicine and, ball, right? I'm assuming uh, football. Okay, yeah. football. Okay. It was just like trying to make conditioning fun, Coach Luke. <laughs> uh, but he's sitting there yelling at you while you're doing it, so it's not fun. Um, but I'd broken my arm. I'd bro- broke my arm probably three plays before that, and I was like, "All right, something doesn't feel right." I kept trying to go through it, and uh, we were tossing the ball, and I wasn't using that arm because it was like dangling out to the side. He's like, "If you can't, if you can't toss it, just get out." And I was like, all right. So, um, yeah, no, it's just a funny side story. But, yeah, I ended up breaking my arm. So, I was out then. So, I kind of rolled back to the twos, went into camp with the twos. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Laramie Tunsil was ahead of me. But that the, the compliance stuff was lingering. So, I was like, ah, oh, so am I going to be the one that gets bumped up? What are they and, telling you throughout that? Like when you figure out like, okay, actually this is like, I am the guy. How does that, how did that process they didn't, play out? There wasn't a whole lot of communication. There was just me kind of staying up to date with it and like talking to guys about it. So I was thinking about what, what could potentially get me into the lineup. And then I was just trying to make myself valuable. You know, right. I wanted to be that guy on call if, you know, he did get out and then Fawn, Fawn was getting some left tackle rat left tackle reps so I knew that was a potential you know set up um so Fawn went to left tackle whenever Laramie got rolled out I think it was like the week of the game they're yes. waiting on the status of Laramie and C- coach Luke said something to me that Thursday so it was like I mean right before the game he's like all right you're gonna be starting at right tackle Fawn's gonna move over to left and then that was where you know, I was prepared, but that was where the, the switch kind of flipped, you know, and that was when it's like, all right, it's it's time to time to roll. Does it flip so. immediately just to that week? And the reason I asked that, because you guys were playing UT Martin. And so you're in the two deep and you're in the mix. 
And so I figured you probably knew you were going to get on the field and play that week, obviously, right? Barring something yeah. catastrophic. Does your mind only flip to that game or do you kind of look down the road? It's like, holy shit, in two weeks we'll be in Tuscaloosa. Or did you, did you let it go that far? No, you, you don't think about it. I mean, I was so excited about just being, getting my first career start. I right. didn't care, you know, two weeks down the road. I wasn't, wasn't really looking at that. And also Laramie's status was still up in the air. It's like, we didn't know when he was going to come back. So it was more of like a week by week approach. It was like, you know, how, how, how well can I do? How well can I adapt? And um, I think it was nice having those kind of two buffer games. So UT Martin and then Fresno State. Um, and then after those two games, you, you have a chance to kind of build confidence going into that game. Because, uh, I mean, you're a lot more prepared than you would be if you played BAM first game. That would have been interesting. <laughs> So what was the most valuable part about those two games? And then I imagine on top of that, you know, it's like you mentioned, building up confidence, as much confidence as you had, as soon as the fourth quarter ends against Fresno, you probably knew this was about to be a different deal. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we smacked both of them. It right. was like 76 to three. It was, it was, there were just crazy scores. So that's when you knew like, all right, our offense is, is really good. So I still don't think that switch flipped until, you know, that Sunday. Um, because I, I don't know. I, was, I, I guess I was so locked in on – I was very critical of myself, so I was always focused on how I could get better before – I guess kind of in the back of your mind, you know, you got Bama in two weeks. It's like, all right, how can I prepare myself for that? But it was still – it was still a week-by-week basis because – I mean, you go in and even it, it mattered more than anything to me is seeing my grade that Sunday against Fresno State before moving on to Bama. But, yeah, no, I think it was after – I think it was that Sunday where probably my parents may have said something like, oh, you're going to Bama next week. It's like, oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, see, I see that. So, it flips the, the switch flips on Sunday. Yeah. What's that week like for you? Because – like, I know I, I don't – each coach has different schedules. I think – didn't you guys watch film on Sunday and then, like, off day Monday? The only reason I remember that is because yeah. Chad Kelly used to come in and talk to us in a tan suit on Mondays, and I figured he wasn't fresh off the practice field off right. of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's so – At what point watch. are you, like – are you, like, okay, this is about – like, this is about to get real. I understand, like, you know Alabama's coming on the schedule, but are you – like, is there a moment where you're watching film and you're like, holy shit, this guy's fast? Or, like, when did it kind of set in, like, okay, this is this is about to be something? Yeah, probably that Sunday. Because we, uh, we would watch we would watch Fresno State. I guess that was the week before. We would watch Fresno State. You would make corrections, throw it in the trash. And then most of the guys would stay and start watching the film for the next opponent and just kind of get a – update on it uh i think if i remember right they played louisville and just beat the hell out of them and then you watch that film and you're like all right like this is it's time to step it up um so yeah you see guys like a sean robinson just bull rushing the guard into the (laughs) the quarterback um so it's it kind of your eyes get or at least mine did and my eyes got kind of big and I was like all right so then I start looking for you know what can I do with my skill set because I mean 
you look at my redshirt freshman year and compare it to maybe my redshirt junior year, the scale is a lot different then. So it's like, what can I use to my advantage and, and how can I play these guys to where what's going to make me most successful? So you start looking for tendencies like that. And um, they had some uh, DN that I think plays for the Ravens now. So it was, it was like, how can I, you know, short set this guy or something like that to make him kind of run the loop. Um, so you start looking at advantages like that, but I don't know. You, you get so focused on that, that the adrenaline doesn't really kick you until you're actually heading down there. So I've always contended you have to have a different, a little bit of a different mindset and just kind of screw loose is such a cliched way to put it and kind of like more of like a savage way, but you have to have like some sort of different mentality to be an offensive lineman in the SEC. And I knew Conyers like a little bit. I did a story on him when I was first starting out in media and he knew some of the same people I knew. Like, I think it was like a fraternity thing. Like he just knew yeah. some people that I knew. And so like, I knew him a little bit and like, he's like a dude you don't really want to screw with. Like he's kind of a bad dude. And so I, you talk about getting big eyed and you see them bull rushing and all that. You're in the room with a lot of older guys that year, whether it's Fawn Cooper or, you know, Conyers or Ben Still and, you know, Justin Bell, like, are you yeah. having to, are they getting big eye too? Or are they kind of have the mindset, like, you know, like, fuck them. Like we're about to beat them type of thing. Yeah. Like what is, are you, are you kind of trying to stay with their mindset? If that makes any sense at all? Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's what I was saying earlier is like, you, you start to lean on leadership a lot more as a young guy. Um, it, I mean, it's not like it was just another game for them. Like sure. these guys are still better than anybody that, they've played since they played maybe Bama last year or LSU the year before that. So, but the thing is, is they've, they're so much more experienced and they've been through those type of settings that, you know, you, you start to kind of adopt their mentality. Um, which had to be as helpful as anything, right? Do what now? That had to be as helpful as anything. Just yeah, kind of yeah, having absolutely. a bunch of dudes around them that aren't scared or petrified by the moment. Right. Yeah. No. And and that's that's the thing as a young guy is is that's when leadership takes over right then. So, um, having Justin Bell for sure because I mean he's a guy that's played that um, not thousands but hundreds and hundreds of snaps and and played against those guys. So, you know, I start to inquire like his mindset and, and learn from him. So he helps you get past that hump a little bit, but there is a little hump when you're first starting out. Um, and then, I mean, I think I did the same thing whenever I got later in my career, redshirt junior year, redshirt senior year, um, providing that for the younger guys a little bit. Yeah, so. for, for sure. So you go through that week. I imagine, look, I know you're a smart guy, like, do well, got a good job. But I imagine class may have taken a bit of a back burner that week. I I just figured it would be very yeah. hard to focus. What is that week outside of football like? Like what I know you guys don't get to like do much, but if you're right. having a hard time focusing on anything else, whether it's school or anything outside of football. Yeah, for sure. You're just <laughs> I, mean, I don't like care what anybody here. says. Like like school. I was a I was a marketing major. Um so I think that was uh, that was my sophomore year of class. So you're still taking those like introductory courses a little bit and you don't have to be as engaged. Test bank you. Uh, I'm a marketing major. Too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So you're still taking the introductory business classes and it's like, 
Yeah, man. I mean, I would take my iPad into into class. I'm guilty. You know, I mean, yeah. they, they would probably look at me and be like, oh, you play football. And I was like, well, I don't care. I mean, I, I got to be as prepared as I can be with, with what I had at the time. So. I yeah, expect, would you like to trade places? Would you like to do what I'm trying to do this Saturday? Like, you'll switch out. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, you're definitely locked in. And I think it's like that all season, but especially with a game like that as a redshirt freshman, like, yeah, you don't want to hold anybody back on the offensive line for sure. So, you got to be, you know, you got to step it up. For and sure. That's what I was talking talking to you about with with nick broker um when he was a freshman but it's you don't you don't want to be the uh liability so that game now we're at the game i remember they it was the 8 30 kickoffs which i had assumed they'd done away with but then i see that lsu and auburn are kicking uh-huh. off at 8 20 uh, this year which seemed just preposterous i don't understand that the that. so not only are you having to do that i assuming you guys are staying in birmingham so you get to birmingham the night before Right. I, I understand, like, y'all don't – I mean, I no one loves 11 a.m. games other than media because we get to have the rest of the day to do whatever we yeah. want. But, you know, mid-afternoon, even if it's, like, somewhat a night game, you guys are fine. What are you doing from a schedule standpoint for an 820 game? Did you sleep that night? Take me through up to kickoff. Oh, yeah. Oh, so pregame routine. Friday nights, <laughs> we would have um, wings. It doesn't matter where we went to. Houston to play Texas Tech. We were having wings that night. So we would, I mean, you can ask anybody now. I don't think anybody could go toe-to-toe with me on Friday nights. I like with the that. amount of with the amount of wings that we ate. Um, so I probably ate, I don't know, I'd probably ate like 25, 30 wings the night before. We would carb load and then you go to the room. I think where me. <laughs> Laramie used to bring a um, a Wii, so we would play like Smash Bros or something in somebody's room the night before. Um, so we would do that, and then yeah, we'd sleep. So night games—that was a nice part about it—is you'd sleep the next morning until whatever time you wanted to. And um, that game was ridiculous, though. I don't I don't think it went till after eight thirty because the game ran late Delayed. before. Yeah, it was delayed because of the game before on ESPN, which they don't do anymore now. I don't think. Um, yeah, I thought they had gotten away with the done away with the eight o'clock games, which they should. But yeah, no, the eight forty kickoff like TV delay is done now. For as that, far as I can, that, that's packed yeah. well after dark territory now. Right, that was terrible. That part sucked. Um, Eleven a.m. games though. Like you said, media gets half of the day to do whatever. We're like we did too. Yes, true. So that was that was nice. Um, we go to the Grove or whatever and chill after. Uh, but you still, I mean, you have like six a.m. wake up call. That sucks. So that, yeah, that sucked. So you got to like get in the hot tub to warm up that morning and do whatever you can to make sure you're ready. So, but yeah, eight. That game was late. I remember that. We probably didn't get back to Oxford until around three thirty four. So what are you doing all that more? Like, how are you, how are you guys killing time? Cause that's an insane amount of time to have to I know, I know. To the stadium. So we would do, we'd probably wake up, wake up whenever. And then it would be like 10 o'clock. Uh, we would do a film session. And then we do a walkthrough 
and then you would have about an hour break um, in between the walkthrough and lunch, and then we do all the pregame meeting and stuff. So, but yeah, eight uh, forty now. No, that was especially like as like as nervous as I was going into it. That that didn't help. So I was like, I think I was probably dry heaving in some trash can somewhere before the game. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna lie and tell you I wasn't because I was. I was a little nervous. What's the uh, ride to the stadium like? Are people talking or is it pretty silent? No, it's silent. Yeah, I, I think regardless, I think if there was a lot of chatter, um, you would kind of you get a little a bit of an irky feeling. Um, because I mean, guys, not not really locked in. Like, not to sound like a douche, but if if no, no, if I know guys, what you mean. If guys were kind of horsing around a little bit, then that was a little bit of a concern. And and the coaches would say something too, um, if there was kind of too much chatter. But for the most part, now there, yeah, there's there's no minimal talking, and everybody's got headphones in and whatnot. So, are you bumping music, or are you what do you do? Like what what are you doing on yeah. the bus? What do you remember? Yeah, I'm bumping music. I think uh, I think I got that. Of course, I had to get the beats. Yeah freshman year and because they're cool <laughs> and and uh i would listen to like real chill music okay like throw on some eagles or something before and then um like right when you get into the stadium or get get towards the stadium you you kind of turn it up a notch so but so, yeah no, listen to music so y'all get there and look i was there that night and again i wasn't covering football full time then so this was just me being a college student we bought some crappy tickets we were way the hell up the stadium started shaking at one point we were that high up i was like shit if this is how it ends i hope you guys at least finish this off and win the game yeah. so but that's what my family my family said the same thing because they were they they sat the family in like way up, way up like the top the upper part of the upper deck and they were like, yeah, like I swear, like at the stadium, you could feel the stadium shake. And the same thing with AM. So remember before they did the seat reduction, it was yes. like a ridiculous number, like 108 maybe. Um, and they had to take seats out because it was like an infrastructural concern. They used the to stadium put, they literally put a, uh, they put a piece of paper on top of your media seat that says when this thing shakes pregame, don't worry, it probably like it's not <laughs> going to fall just kind of chill out. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem like who put this here. I'm not taking his word for it. The guy could be an asshole. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. But yeah, yeah, no, that place was crazy. But I guess what I was getting at, I imagine stepping off all buses on the road are not equal. Can you kind of sense like what's like the moment and the magnitude of that game when you step off the bus? Oh yeah. 100%. Um, Especially like, Seeing the crowds going in, that was a late game. So seeing the crowd rolling in, like everybody's there. Um, game day was there. Yeah, right. So I think they took us in Tuscaloosa. They have, um, I don't know what they call it, but whatever, whatever their tailgating spot is, it's like you have the that water like, or something like that. Yeah, fraternity rows right there too. Yeah, like that. So you like there were we saw all the people out in the front yards of those. And I was like, damn, there's a lot of people here. Um, so, yeah, and, and it's loud whenever you – even when you first get off. So you can feel it too. Um, but LSU was always an interesting one because some days – or sometime – one year it was rainy 
Um, so it wasn't as active, but the first time I went, it was like, uh, these people hate you. Yes. <laughs> you got people throwing you the bird, like as you're driving by, like people throwing their empty beer cans at you. Um, but I mean, Bama's not really like that, but, but it was still like, you can definitely feel the atmosphere right when you get off the bus. So y'all get in the stadium and all that, and you're warming up. And I, one of the things I've always found interesting about that game was because I think the football team kind of shared the sentiment of the fan base that year. And I think there's a little bit of similarity to it this year, maybe not quite to this extreme, but I remember being a college student. We were over there for that game. Like, not only did I think Ole Miss was going to win, I thought you guys were going to kick their ass. And like, that's Alabama. And that's not really how that shit works. It wasn't that way in 14. You kind of were like, okay, if they play well, like they could probably win. That year was different. And you talked about not having chatter on the bus. And of course, everyone's focused. But I think there's a difference between like hearing a pin drop quiet to where like, you know, you're an underdog and you're just trying to play the game of your life and see if you can pull off something too. We're about to come in here and we're about to kick the shit out of you guys and get on the bus and go home. Could you sense that going into that game and walking into that stadium? Yeah, for sure. There, I mean, there was confidence everywhere. Like the, the entire program and every single person that traveled. Because, I mean, we, we had just beat them the year before at our place. And then – I mean, we were, we were definitely, we were expecting to win going in for sure. So, I mean, everybody had confidence and then you go in there and it's like, yeah, I mean, we knew our offense was going to put up points. Um, and then our defense was good that year. So yeah, we were excited. I don't think there was any, I don't think there was an underdog mentality at any game that year. Um, <clears throat> there were games a, a couple weeks that were like, I hate using the word trap game, but the next week was the definition of it. Yes, it was. And, and their defense is good. I don't care what anybody tells you, like every single year, Fandy has a good defense. Maybe not now. I don't know about now, but But back back then then, it was still coming (laughs) off of what's his face and still into Mason. Yeah. It was different then. Yeah. And you got that, that, uh, Cunningham kid that was linebacker for them forever. Um, so, yeah, that was a trap game. We kind of snuck out of that one. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't think there there was no lack of confidence. Everybody prepared like like we were going to win. Um, but it is different because instead of playing them at home and we beat them at home, they've got 103,000 of, of their guys, um, their fans. So Speaking of them, when did the first time do you notice? Do you walk out and you're like, "Oh man, this yeah. is yeah." Like, when did that? You know, happen? Even when you walk out in warmups, it's like, God, there's already like seventy thousand people here, and it's fifty minutes till kickoff. And I think that was so. You're talking about when you can feel the atmosphere. Yeah. As soon as you go out for warmups, that's when you really start to feel it. Is that pads <laughs> on or pads off warmups? Pads off, like okay. even pads off. Like we would go out. I think me and Conyers would go out and do like medicine ball warm-ups for our hips and like their student section was packed yeah and they're just sitting there chattering at you and and that was when you're like all right yeah this is different this is different than than fresno state and ut martin so you walk out of the tunnel that night the game's about to get going finally it's 8 30 you mentioned like you're not ashamed to admit you were nervous what's the last like 45 minutes like like are you are you having to get yourself together? When did the dry heaving start and stop? <laughs> I wouldn't say it was all nerve, all nervous, but it was like it's just like the butterflies. I, yeah. I don't know because 
I would do that a little bit before other games too, but I was, I would probably, I probably stopped uh, 10 minutes before we went out. Okay. That's so. plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. Plenty of time. Um, but no, I, I mean, then it was time to lock in. And as soon as the first snap happens, that all goes away. Like doesn't matter how nervous you are. Um, if you're prepared, that, that just, that doesn't exist after the first snap. But I mean, if you're not prepared, you can, you can go and get your teeth kicked in first snap. And it's like, all right, it's going to be a long night. Um, but no, we, I mean, everybody was prepared. So after that game plan kicks in um, and you're just focused. So yeah, that, that all goes away. I went sure. back into a box of just crap that I keep. I don't know why I have this in my apartment, but instead of looking it up on Al Gore's internet, I went back to the game notes from <laughs> that year and that night. They had you listed at 280. Were you 280 that night? 280? Yes. You were, they had you listed at six foot Damn, five, that's insulting. 280. No, I don't know if I was 280 now. Are we talking uh, lighter or heavier? No, I think I was a little bit heavier. Okay, okay. I thought you were going to be like, no, I was 260. And I'm like, holy shit, no way. <laughs> no, dude, if I was 260, <laughs> I would have been in Chad's lap a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> but – um. I was, I mean, I wasn't far from it. I, I was probably 285 to 290 because I was, like I was telling you, I was dealing with, after coming off of my broken arm, I was dealing with like transitioning my body fat a little bit. Yes. And once you go into camp at whatever weight you go into, like you're not making an increase after that. Unless there's some guy, there's some guys that are just different, like, like Javon yeah. Patterson, um, guys like him, like, I don't know. They can, they can keep their weight a lot more stable. Um, but whatever weight I went into camp at, I was staying there the whole year. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I was, I was undersized weight wise, but 280 now. So we'll put it at 285, 290. We'll just blame that on Kyle Campbell. Cause that seems like his yeah. fault. The, Thanks Kyle. Yeah. So first snap, what's that like? You run out on the field, all those people, that's as raucous as an environment that I've ever been in. I mean, yeah. that was, that was the game. That's Kirk Herb street. That's Chris Fowler calling the game. Mm -hmm. First snap. I know you say when the ball snap, you locked in, what do you remember about yeah. running out there that night and kind of getting into the game? Um, so they fumbled the opening kickoff. We, you were supposed they to fumbled the opening kickoff. Yes. So they fumbled the opening kickoff. I think if you go back and like watch the actual game, like the TV cut, um, my belly is just going in and out, in and out. Like, as I, I, I'm not hyperventilating, but I got, all right. So it's like, this was right before the first snap. Um, so, yeah. Would you have rather gotten the ball first? Um, yeah. Okay. For sure. So you're yeah, you didn't want to wait. No, I, I didn't want to wait. I, I mean, because you're looking for that first snap, right? Right. Because once you get through that first snap, you're good. Um, so yeah, no, that was, that was wild, man. That was so much fun to like be a part of though. Now that I think about it. I haven't thought about it in a while. <laughs> I watched pretty much oh, much all of that game earlier today at work, unless you're an employee at Dark Pro Solutions, I was doing work. Um, <laughs> I, you were up against Denzel Duvall for a lot of that night. If I remember, and then there was another kid 30 on the other side who I think you referenced earlier. Allen played for the Ravens and the Redskins yes. for a bit. Uh, was it Tim or no, Josh Allen? Josh Allen, who was the other Tim? 
Tim uh, Callaway or something like that? So I had you, there's a 30 listed on their roster and it says it was Denzel Duvall. Does that sound familiar at all? Duvall, a linebacker. They, I think they were in an odd man front. Again, huh. this is just me piecing things together. I, I remember Ryan Anderson. Okay, that's another one that was out there that night too. And he definitely played in the NFL. Uh, Jonathan yeah. Allen was another one. Uh, 93 on the other side, and then yep. image the other guy. So in a world where Alabama's just shit out professionals, particularly on the defensive side of the football, do you walk into that game knowing who your matchup is predominantly? Or are you having to prepare for every single guy that plays the edge? No, you're, you're preparing for everybody. Um, so, so like I, I was saying that week, so you watch a lot of film um, leading up to that, and you're, the older you get, the easier it is. But you start to look for tendencies for each guy. Um, they give you scouting reports before then, but you do a lot of the work yourself to see how you can adjust. Um, so I think that there were a couple of those DNs that they they're strength guys, and then there's edge guys. Right. So um, you're kind of figuring out what you could do to kind of counter that. And I think those edge guys, like. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have Laramie Tunsil out there, but um, I kind of started uh, game plan to short set those guys to, and I mentioned that, but kind of keep them running the loop because you don't want to get them in a game where you're, you're opening up the inside and you're giving them a two way option. Um, so it was more like adjusting my gameplay for each person Um and that changed whoever lined up on me. So probably not as effective as it was later in my career, but still prepared for everything. And then you, uh, you didn't mention Ashawn Robinson. Yes, another one. I was about to go down the list. Ryan, Am- Ryan Anderson, Ashawn Robinson, um, Reggie Ragland, senior at linebacker. I know he wasn't yeah. necessarily an edge guy, but that's not necessarily doesn't mean he's not going to come up your way. I mean, dude, like, I know you didn't have to deal with, like, all of it. Like, Marlon Humphreys on the field that night, too. Like, it's, right. it's a bunch of dudes. First then, snap, I mean, it's, it's crazy, man. And then I the know. next year, it's like they, they give you some other five-star that's also a first-round NFL pick. So, it's uh, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating playing those guys every year. Um what do you remember but, about the early parts of that night? Because it seemed like I was trying to watch as best I can, and I'm very much an untrained eye, as everyone that listens to this show knows. But you seemed like you fared pretty well. Yeah. It, it, they weren't like, like, you know, like you didn't have that moment, like you mentioned, being in Chad Kelly's lap like that. At what point do you think wow. you're settled in the game? And like, I know you knew as an SEC offensive lineman you belonged, but at what point you're like, okay, I'm just like everyone else out here. Like I'm about to whip somebody's ass. Like at what point do you felt you were settled in? Yeah, um, as the, I mean, we had momentum throughout most of the game. You never, tra- you never trailed. Yeah, never trailed. Like, I mean, we were killing them in the first half um, and third quarter. They started to come back a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, it's it, when you're moving the ball, like you, you don't feel like anybody can stop you. So that's that's where the confidence comes from. I mean, the momentum for sure. Um, being a more experienced guy, it's it's easier when the momentum's not going your way to be at the top of your game. Um, but as a younger guy, they the offense made it easy that night. 
getting in rhythm because we were just moving the ball at, at will most of the night. You're right. It, but it goes 3-3 pretty late in the second quarter because you guys caught some bad breaks and didn't finish off some drives. But it was very clear that you were playing better football than uh, – they, for whatever reason, started Cooper Bateman and then went to Jake Coker. But y'all were clearly playing better than them offensively. And then you get two scores right before halftime. So you think you're going to go up 17-3. The defense allows scores at 17-10. But, like, how important do you think those two scores were late? Because it really felt like justification for how well you guys had played for the full 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, momentum, right? Going into the half and then coming out in the third quarter, we just – picked up right where he left off um so i mean as even when the momentum's not going your way like i said with leadership um it can be easy to counter that without leadership that's it's a lot more difficult but i mean there was so much leadership on that team with with those guys and so much experience so um yeah but that was that was big time because we came out in third quarter ready to kick their ass like that's I mean, that's what we came out prepared to do, and we, we did. Into the third quarter, I, whoever was playing quarterback at that time started to click a little bit. And then uh, I remember at the end of the third quarter, um, they do the – is that when they do Dixieland of Light? And the this third? is – I was about to get to this. So this is coming off, by the way, you guys. So they cut it to 30 to 17 after it was 30 to 10 where it felt like yo guys were fully in control. Back-to-back yeah. times – Chad gets sacked. Third quarter ends, Ole Miss punts, that and that place is about ready to blow a lid off. What's that like? That was that was like the uh, that was like the oh god moment. So Does someone like, have oh. to get someone together? You mentioned leaning on the leadership. Does anyone say anything, or is it just like okay, I'm locked back in? You mentioned Chad and Evan earlier. What's that moment like where everything around you is shaking and it feels like holy shit, like we're gonna get out of here alive type of thing? <laughs> And then you do you almost have to remind yourself you're up two scores? Um, a little bit. I mean, I think Evan Evan may have said something on the on the bench, but I don't know. You just you look over, like just looking over at their faces, like looking over at Chad and looking over at Evan's faces, like you feed off of that. Like Chad's ready to go out there again and score the next drive, which I I'm pretty sure we did. Yes. Um. Cody core. It was maybe the thing is like an RPO. The thing that made um, Saban's brain explode, the whole, like a line in a couple yards oh downfield. They he, thought Chad Kelly it, was over the line. Yes. He took it to the SC office the next week. Can you hear him yelling on the field? <laughs> no, but they're some of their guys that are injured. Talk a lot. We really? Okay. Guys. That's interesting. But it was, <clears throat> it was more like coming out of timeout. Cause like we were no huddle. So we were already lined up. And then you got somebody coming over talking trash, like out of their huddle. And it's like, dude, you're not even playing. Like, <laughs> yeah, what the? I would be like, get the hell so, out of here. Like, what is wrong with yeah, you? Right. Uh, you can hear those guys, but other than that, you can't hear anything, man. So it's just the, the crowd. It's like, like a, it's like a, uh, it's like somebody's got a little jar of bees and they're just buzzing and they're just, and just holding it up against your ear. So you so literally can't hear like. anything. Are y'all going hand signals? How does that work? Yeah, we went silent cadence. So we would go, um, Chad would do the hand down, and then um, Conyers would come up with his head, and then I think it was like a two-second count or maybe a one-second count. Um, but, yeah, we went silent that game. 
any anytime we went to like AM, LSU, Bama, we would go silent until um, Longo's offense. We would go clap, which most people most people do now. How can because you hear like a clap? It's crazy, right? Like a super loud stadium. I had a couple of times my senior year where I thought I heard a clap. Um, and you're, you're, you're the man responsible for putting that puppy between the legs at that point. Like, it's not just like you're, yeah. I was going to ask you about that in a bit. You remember that first play of Bama my senior year where, uh, DK caught that long touchdown. Yes. I mean, we ended up getting smacked, but this is not good. But that, that play, um, if you watch Jordan closely, I don't, I don't think he clapped. So there were a couple of play, there were a couple of times my senior year where I did that. Um, because I mean, that is, that is like extreme focus. Cause if you're talking along the line and you hear a clap, like you gotta go, but on silent cadence, you, you got a little bit more time, right? Like you can, you can call out whatever you want and then you get the hand and then it's time to go. But yeah. I was going to ask you before, like we got to that fourth quarter and the end of it, what do you remember about the Adaboyjo play? Third and one oh, I- shitty snap. Kelly kind of bats it. He gets control of it, just chucks it up. Laquan tips it up almost like it's some sort of oop, and then he goes down the sideline. From your vantage point, what is going on in that play? Like, I imagine – I was about to ask if you were going to be like, oh, shit, we're screwed. But I, th- part of me thinks you didn't even have time to register that. What's that play like? Yeah, I did think we were screwed, man, because <laughs> because if you watch that play, like, my guy <clears> – <throat> I was trying to hold him off because I had no idea what was going on in the backfield. And I was like, oh, God, like I just got whooped. So I thought that Chad was about to get strip sack or he fumbled or something. And then at the end of the play, didn't even know what was going on until you look up and you see Quincy running. I was like, what? I'm like, what What just happened? Um, and then I saw Coach Freeze pull Chad aside. And I was like, all right, he did something crazy. The, Do you know it's your night at that point, though? Do you what? Do you know, like, it's okay, th- this is our night. Like, this is probably going to work out yeah. okay first when something like yeah. that happens. Yeah, for sure. And the turnovers, too. Like, even right off the bat, I think the the biggest momentum shift, like, there wasn't momentum at this point. Well, I guess there was because you're playing in front of 100 and something thousand people. But the momentum shift of that opening kickoff fumble. Yeah. Like, it's huge. So something like that happens, like the Quincy play, and that was when it's like, all right, it is our night. Um, but you, yeah, you definitely get that feeling that it's your night if stuff happens like that, or um, that kid from Bama just throws some stupid pick, and it's like, all right, we're about to step on their throats. So well, that's that's the misconception about the whole like, well, Alabama turned it over five times, where it wasn't like a whole like bad luck shit. They just kept throwing horrible passes that like yeah. the first one to Elston was it would almost look like a punt return there was no one within 20 right. yards it's like you're literally giving the other team the football like I don't really have yeah. much sympathy for that like if you're going to bring out someone that incompetent at quarterback I don't want to hear the five turnovers bullshit like it's yeah, right. it's not even close so you mentioned that drive with the core touchdown it's a huge play down the sideline mm-hmm. yeah before that drive though that game's getting close is someone yeah. saying something to you guys on the sideline or do you just kind of know, Hey, we have to put this thing in here to kind of finish the job at this point. What is that moment? Like before finish you get the on job. the field? That's it was finish the job because like I was saying, like when you're standing on the sideline, ready to go out on the field, 
you got all these vets beside you. Like, <laughs> I mean, Justin Bell, like it didn't rattle him one bit. I think they had, uh, um, what's his name? Deontay Wilder out on the field right before then. And then Jay Bell just like looked up. He was like, oh yeah, that's the bronze bomber. And like, he was sitting there laughing with everybody on the sideline. And it's like, all right, it's just, these guys are wired different, you know? Right. Or, or you you can adjust a little bit better when you, you got a lot of snaps on your belt, but um, no, having a guy like Chad in the backfield, you know he's going to go out there and ball out. So, is that by example, really... or is he saying shit in the huddle throughout the night? Like, yeah. okay, let's go. What's that like? Because whatever you want to make of Chad Kelly, he's like, yelling. That guy was fearless. Like, it, does yeah, he, he have to fearless. say anything, or is it all by body language and example? It's mostly by body language. I mean, if you watch games of Chad, he's he yeah sure he's going around like yelling, yelling stuff, but it's not anything like, hey guys, like we got to take this adversity. And I mean, it wasn't any of that corny stuff. It was just like Chad being Chad, like screaming "Let's go" in everybody's ears, or or more more so, just look at his look into his eyes, eyes of a killer. And on a night like that, you need that. Like, I imagine against, like, Georgia Southern, it's like, all right, let's give this guy something to chill out a bit. But, like, on a night like that, like, you probably need something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Chad Chad was a momentum driver all night that night. He was – and he was like that every game, man. He That guy was different. So, you guys win the game, finish it off. It's a marathon of a game. Hell, the thing almost lasted four hours. And, like, this was part of the reason why I brought you on the thing. It's like, what's it like yeah. winning in that place? Are you – because at that oh, point, awesome. people are talking about you guys as the best team in college football. And, I, of course, you're happy. Of course, you're celebrating. There's a ton of them right. there. Do you guys realize it's midnight? Like, do you realize the magnitude of what you've just done? Because you've had – like, I mean, look, South Carolina and whoever that kid was playing quarterback in 2011 – knocked them off in Columbia, but to beat them and kind of kick their ass in back-to-back years had not really happened to this point. And that's the greatest dynasty in the history of the sport. Are you realizing that night, the magnitude of what you've done? What's the moments after like, yeah. how to celebrate? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think everybody, <clears throat> a cool part of that game too, was you look up in the third quarter and people are hitting the exits. And yeah. then that, I think that's where you kind of realize. So y'all noticed like, that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, yeah, we looked up. I, <laughs> Jay Bell was always talking on the sideline, man, Justin Bell. Um, but I think he looked up. I think Evan was, like, waving to people, and I was like, all right, like, y'all, y'all chill out. <laughs> y'all chill out. Still third quarter. Um, that's a momentum driver, too, is when you look up and you see their fans leaving. It's like running them out of their own place. Um, so but anyone game, who says they don't notice that is lying? Yeah. Dude, you okay. see everything. I mean – you don't see everything, but you can't tell me that the guys guys on the sidelines are just looking at the field the entire time, um, like when the defense is out there. Uh, like big third downs and stuff, sure, of course we are. But, yeah, I mean, you still have a awareness of what's going on around you. So, yes, people saw that. They, if they tell you they didn't, they're lying. Um, but, no, I, I think after that game, yeah, they're – there was definitely like, like almost an emotional feeling. It's like you, you did it. Um, and then I think everybody was packed into that corner that yeah. night. So that was fine. You get back in the locker room and 
your phone's blowing up, everybody's going crazy. So yeah, you, you realize it. Um, and you kind of get to relish in it for a day. And What's then the bus ride on. home like? At some point, I imagine people are exhausted because it is a three-hour ride. Yeah. Like, it's almost like if you were at home, you could go party a little bit. But, like, you have to get back home. It's late as hell. Like, it's not as like fun you guys as you didn't think even get to celebrate it a bunch. Yeah. The bus rides back are not as fun as you think they'd be. So, I, everybody's really excited for the first, like, 20 minutes out. And then I think people – that long of a bus ride, people were, like, cramping and laying on the floor trying to stretch out. Or at least I was um trying to stretch out like both your hamstrings are cramping up so that sucked um yeah so (laughs) there's 20 minutes of the buzz ride they're awesome funniest part of the celebration that night does one thing stick out for me that night because i know it's something you didn't forget but is there one moment or someone does something that sticks out that night um probably seeing I don't know. I've seen a locker room after. I think it was uh, some country guy. Sorry, guys. I don't listen to country, but. Um, oh, Freeze is big uh, enough. Is it Eric Church? Church. Church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he, he went up and stood on the stool in the middle of the locker room. And he goes, can I get a hottie and toddy? And then because Freeze's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay. I never know what cared at that point. <laughs> no, like... no, everybody started going crazy. So um, the locker room was a lot of fun after with those guys. Um, I remember after the game, Derek Henry was on that team, right? Hell, yeah, he was. Yeah, he he came up and shook our hands after, and I was like, good God, you are big. Like, dudes looks Probably bigger like than me. half of your size. Like, we're close. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I – He's listed. Was he? He's probably listed as like six four, six five. He seems a lot bigger than that, man. But no, and and seeing those guys too after the game, it's like, all right, a bunch of five stars, like just ran you out of your own stadium. So, um, do you realize no, the weight of it all though? Like, I look, everyone like nah. fans and all that love to talk about like. I mean, I remember Trevor Maddich was on ESPN the next Sunday or Monday morning be like, oh, this is the best team in college football. Do you guys grasp the full weight of that or are you having to lock back in? Like, how does that ha- How does that work? No, you're locking back in. I, you don't really get to uh, – you don't get to really realize how, like, instrumental that was or how much that meant to everybody until after the fact. Um, I think now looking back, like, I'm just kind of realizing, like, I mean, that's, <clears throat> it's a big moment in like in Ole Miss football's history. So <clears throat> it definitely takes, takes a little while for it to set in. Um, but as a kid, like as a kid playing, you got to move on to the next week and make sure you can keep your spot, you know? One of the things we talked about after that uh, when we were talking in 19 was like the up and downs of the confidence being like a freshman in the SEC. And you mentioned you played poorly in Florida a couple of weeks later and that kind of shot your confidence yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, and one sure. of the things I think that people kind of underestimate now is like this team's going in there. They were not as, they're not as talented as you guys. They're, you can make an argument. They're a little bit more dynamic offensively, but they don't have the depth and they don't have the defensive they're not good on, not as good on the top end defensively, and certainly don't have the depth that you guys had. 
But a lot of it is that confidence and that belief that they can walk in there and win. I mean, you hear Ely talk about it. You hear Corral talk about it. Those dudes, I think, actually believe, like you guys did, that they can go in there and win this game. It's not just like the coach speak of like, yeah, they're just another team. We're going to go do our best. It's oh, like, no, you know, if we play as well as we can play, I don't think there's any way can beat us. And I think there's a difference in that. But there's ups and downs in this college football season. People talk about only being 12 games, but for what you guys put yourselves through, that's a long time. I know you yeah. dealt with it early in your career, particularly how hard is it to stay confident every single week, even when you don't play well? It's tough as, as a kid, for sure. I mean, as Cause you were as 19 at that point. Yeah. As a kid, as a freshman, redshirt freshman, you know, you can have, you can be as talented as you think you are coming out of high school, but it's a whole different level. Um, regardless of what anybody says people may act tough and say it's it's not much not much different than what they're they're used to but that's a lie um it's it's going through the rigors of sec play every week so yeah <clears throat> where did we i think we lost uh, either florida first florida first then memphis Tiago Vandy lose to florida i don't remember what happened in between and then you lose that weird ass 11 a.m game against memphis yeah right so um yeah coming out of florida that's that's the thing is when you're playing in the sec you can never be too high never be too low and that's something that you start to understand more the more experience that you get um when i was a freshman going into florida and then just getting just waxed um that speak of momentum like never really felt it there um but yeah, you don't have as well of a game as you would like. Uh, I think I think I gave up a strip sack that game too. Um, so you, it's definitely a confident shot. And but I think it's all about you know how you how you grow from it. Like if I had a game like that later on in my career, um, even then, I mean, I'm going in all Sunday and I'm. I would go in Saturday, actually, later in my career, and I would be watching the game after. Um, so it turned into like a – it was a more of a business approach for, for the better part of it. Um, and that kind of stemmed from the leadership, like I was telling, telling you earlier. Like me and Conyers would go watch film all the time. So um, you can never be too high, never be too low. Loudest place sure. you've ever played. Florida. I was that, about to tell, I was hoping you'd go that there year. because I'm curious because I've I've not, I haven't been to Florida. When y'all went in 15, I still wasn't covering football full time, but I did. I've done Alabama and LSU four times a piece. Oh man, and, Florida was nuts. Yeah, so LSU to me is more of a cool spectacle. To where honestly, I find yeah. I, I'm sure you disagree because I I've like heard you talk about going into LSU. I honestly found Alabama more intimidating in some ways. I don't really know why. That's just a perspective of it looking like a cathedral to where LSU's on top of you. But I was curious if you would say Florida because it doesn't get yeah. talked about as much. But even you, you hear anyone that ever played there talk about how the swamp is as loud as any place they've ever been. Dude, I swear it was like they were piping in noise. Really? I, I really, I swear. I tell people all the time. I think that they were piping in noise because <laughs> they had they have speakers um, behind our bench. <clears throat> student sections right there behind the bench and it was the speakers the student section would use the microphone and play through the speakers so it's like 
you can't hear a damn thing on the sideline with these speakers of students yelling into the microphone. So I, I, I don't know if they still do that, but they were definitely piping in noise that night. Regardless, we couldn't, you couldn't hear anything. Um, there's a lot of times where like I'm having, I couldn't hear Chad. So I'm, we're having to relay down the line. Um, that's LSU gotta be intimidating where it's just man to man to man. Like he said this, he said yeah. this, he said well, this. Takes, yeah. Right. And I mean, you got one guy screwing up that relay and the boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what, that happened before. One of the last things I want to get to before we get out of here is I did an open on the Wednesday podcast about kind of like the power of belief and hope. Like in this day and age with as much money as going into college football, a lot of what these coaches are selling are hope. And what I mean by that is not like what you would think in the traditional sense. It's like, you know, Joe Moore had won eight games his first year at state goes seven and five the next year. And he's canned because it was kind of a hopeless situation. They were supposed to be a lot better than that. Where Lane Kiffin goes four and five wins the bowl game. And it's like, this team is on the rise. Like you, you know, what you're selling is hope. And that kind of buys you time in a day and age in college football where with the money being what it is, you kind of have irrational expectations. You don't really get time to build anymore. And so going into a game like this, I've kind of debated all week, whether it's a free shot for Ole Miss or something, an opportunity they can really kind of jump up a pedestal and they might kind of, I guess, feel like they missed an opportunity per se um, if they don't do it. And so I've kind of fought that all week and written about it a decent bit. But the thing I wanted to ask you was, I know later in your career, you were a hell of an SEC offensive lineman. And I know you guys as a team didn't have the success that you wanted to have later on. Yeah. But you talk about when you get older and you're kind of fearless, even if you know the team may not be as good around you, what's the difference between walking in Bryant-Denny in 2015 and having Alabama at your place in 2018 where I, I know you guys believe every game you go into you're going to win. But at the back of your mind, you have to know at some point we're really up against it here in 18 where in 15, it's like, actually, we're better than these guys. What's the difference between having that belief? Like, how does that affect how you play, if that makes any sense at all? Yeah. Um, I mean, for me personally, again, I don't want to sound like braggadocious or anything, but I don't know. I, I was more focused on, like, there were, of course, it's not like I had a perfect game or anything, but there were, I was more focused on um, – a business approach to it, to be honest. That's just how I approach stuff like that. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying as far as like 2015 versus 2018, there were different expectations, I, I think, a little bit as far as the fan goes and looking at it from the outside a little bit. Inside, I don't think that we had the team that we had in 2015. So it was like how, I don't know. We were always thinking about how we were going to make our story in 2018 and how it was going to shape up. Cause I think that was still early in the season. Yeah. So, and if our record going in was pretty good, I think. I think so, you guys started like three and oh or something. Yeah. So, I mean, we were, we were confident, man. Um, it is a little different coming off of the year before where, 2017, what was it, like 60 to 3? 66-3, thanks. The only reason I have to – I didn't want to, like, rub it in. I was working in-house in the athletic department, and I wasn't allowed to write anything negative 
So we were coming up with like facetious headlines that night, like, you know, Wonderlick's field goal, not quite enough as Rebels fall 66-3, that type of shit. Like I had an impossible job that night. That's, That's the only reason I remember that score. Yeah. Oh, God. That Yeah, that game was awful. I, I remember I was, that was the game that I came off surgery too. So like, Oh yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting, but yeah. So coming off of a game like that the year before and going in the next year, um, it's, it's definitely, whether you realize it or not, it's a different momentum. There's not as much momentum, right? Yeah. But, but beating them at the year, at your place in 2014, then going 2015, there was, I think there was a lot more confidence team-wide. Um, everybody's going to tell you that they were confident in 2018. <clears throat> it's not the same. But though. was it really confident? Right. So, yeah, I, I think – and then, I mean, I think it's – this year's kind of starting to set up the same way. I mean – I was going to ask you up, that. Do you believe it's real? I know you're disconnected yeah. a little bit, but do you believe that's real? No, yes. I 100% believe it's real. I agree. I, I, that offense – I mean, they just – they move the ball at will. I, and we had some good offenses when I was there. But, I mean, the way that they operate now, it's nuts. And, I mean, I, I think uh, Levy just and, – and Kiffin too, obviously. But, I mean, that playbook is so deep. And, and you have so many options off of, off of the RPO. Um, everything's – there's, there's just a lot more options, I feel like. Um, RPO, I'm not, I'm not going to – well, there's just a lot more options. For sure. <laughs> I mean, football's changed since then. It's, it's really yeah. not even just like, a, oh, why weren't we doing this? You talk about yeah. football even just five years ago versus what it is now is an entirely different world from an offensive schematic standpoint at times. So I know what you're right. getting at. Well, um, I think whenever I was playing, like, the RPO, the, the big – before I think maybe 2015, 2014, the big thing was a seam route. So that like right. that play that I was telling you about Cody. So it's like you see that safety screw up or start to bite down a little bit. They're in one high. I mean, they're taking off. So that was, but God, they, there's so many different combinations that they do now. So I, I love watching them play now that and that offense and then seeing like, Think about how close the game was last year. <clears throat> no offense to the guys I know now that are not that much are on, defense. on on defense, right? And then looking at how we started the year, and I think there's still some issues at the root of the defense. But like having a guy like that um, Campbell, the game linebacker, changer. game changer. Dude is flying around every single play. Um, so my eyes are pretty glued on him. And then I, I play with guys like Bivens. Um, and other D linemen, um, whenever he, he was a freshman, whenever I was a senior. So seeing how far he's come, like watching him that Louisville game and seeing him do some of the stuff that he was doing, uh, it was really cool to see. So I think it's a lot better than last year. That's uh, for sure. Yeah, for I think sure. everybody would agree. Dude, you got a future in this. You're watching, like, parts of the game. I know it comes natural, like, playing football, but, like, you're kind of watching the stuff that matters, and, like, I'm still trying to learn how to do that. You're kind of dead on with that. So send a resume to ESPN, and we'll just kind of see how this (laughs) shit goes. Right, man. Yeah, start calling. I can jump in on the uh, Manning cast. What are you at? So you jumped on. You flipped the camera on when we started doing this, 
And like, I was just like, I'd written the 280 down because I knew you were probably going to go a little bit north of that. What are you at now? What's the yeah, football weight versus uh, versus Rawlings, the, uh, the, the, the businessman weight? The businessman is uh, <clears throat> 215. No, you're lying. No shit. I swear. <laughs> 215. And I can't gain weight, man. I'm like, God, I used to squat or clean all this weight and like, here I find myself benching like a 45 and a little bit of change on the side. Dude, <laughs> but you look not, great. Like it's not like uh, a bad loss weight, dude, but you have yeah. to look back and you're like, what the hell are these guys doing to us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just doing what you got to do to, to keep up with the guy across from you. But no, I, I play a lot of basketball now. That's always good to get. You got to get up here, man. We got to play some pickup. Relive the JA day. You don't want that from me. I, you were actually a good hooper at MRA oh, under Deweese. I just got in when we were up like 50, 60 points. That story is well documented on this podcast. I If we ever – I end up in North Carolina, I will bring my sneakers. So I promise you that. I always uh, – I crack up at your tweets whenever you reference the, uh, the, the glory days. Honestly, <laughs> you were a junior, and I was like – Thank God I'm not going to be in when this guy's in because we're going to be losing or winning pretty bad. And, like, if I said – like, if I have to take a charge on this guy, that's a safety hazard. I could die. That's honestly yeah. was my thought when you guys would take the court. I was like, shit, I'm not walking out there. Fuck that. Yeah. That, uh, now it's – now uh, after you left, it was Bracken that took over. Yeah. That, Bracken was the uh, famous assist on that uh, place. Not, yeah. Nothing can compare to the MIS days. Dude, I appreciate the time as always. I think I said Absolutely. I'd give you like 20 minutes and we were like an hour and 10. I like so, it. Uh, just bill I, me for that. I, Send me an invoice. Oh, no, you're good. Man, I haven't talked about that, that game in forever, so it's good to relive it. It's, it's, I, I thought I didn't remember as much as I did, but it started to come back whenever you're bringing stuff up. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe I don't have CTE. <laughs> Fantastic interview. Sean Rawlings, Ole Miss legend. I appreciate the time, man, as always. This is great stuff, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Appreciate it, Ribby. All right. That was Sean Rawlings. I really appreciate his time. I hope you learned a little bit in that, you know, not necessarily about this year's game, but kind of an inside look on what happened that night in 2015 and kind of the mentality it takes to go in and win in Brian Denny. I think the belief, which is a lot of what I talked about on the Wednesday show in the open and Lane Kiffin selling hope and how powerful that can be when it's real and when it's tangible. And I think when we talk about on the player side of it, that translates into belief. And as Sean kind of got at, look, he's offensive lineman in the sec. You got to be a different kind of cat to play that position just in general. And he would never just like sell out former current teammates, whatever. And just be like, yeah, we didn't have a chance in 18, but you could even hear him kind of concede a little bit. Like, Yes, it was different in 2018 than it was in 2015. I think this team coming into Tuscaloosa on Saturday has some 2015 vibes. So, you know, it's real. I think Ole Miss has a chance. And uh, I just kind of wanted an inside look on what it's like to go into Bryant-Denny with that many people and really just not be scared and not be shrunk by the moment. I thought Sean was as good an example as anyone. So I hope you enjoyed that interview. We'll get him on again at some point. He was honestly kind of awesome. I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't think he'd suck by any means, but – we just never like talked about doing a pod segment for us. So anyway, appreciate Sean's time. Let's get to Greg's picks. As I warned you at the top of the show, my man Greg was in rare form. Here's some winners and only winners because we don't lose. All right. It is now time for our Friday picks where we welcome on Greg, the meat sharp Jones. 
checking in from pretty much a new location every week. This is like the LB Satellite Network. This is our Friday picks brought to you by both LBs and Skybox Sports Pick. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. What's up, man? So you were dispatching. So two weeks ago, you were at the library. Last week, you were back home. Sounds like this week you've been at the library and then you were making yourself a uh, midnight snackish at LB's. Is that where we're checking in from this week? Yeah, I mean, you know, LB's is uh, open, but not after six o'clock. So it's always it's open okay. when you have a key. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's okay to uh, know the guy that has the key. So it's okay. Uh, man, you know, we're open Monday through Sunday, you know. Uh, we're doing good, man. You know, like, uh, I've, I've got all the flat wings, uh, at the library sports bar and, uh, microwave, uh, you know, it, today is Tuesday or Thursday. It might be Friday. So with that being said, we're, we're ready for this weekend. Absolutely. One of those days that ends in Y is what we're at. We are here to make our picks. Last week we had a little bit or two weeks ago, I should say, we had a little bit of regression to the mean after, a. Absolutely just torrid start to the NFL season. We kind of fell back. But this past week, we did pretty well. It was a little bit of a struggle in college. You went four and four. I went five and three. Skybox was four and four. College, I think, is probably the result of, you know, we don't really have one great team this year. And so you're kind of getting a lot of weird results, which honestly, I think it's set up for a fun college season. Um, Skybox has been absolutely destroying it on the NFL. Yeah, they're They're, on par. They're 19-6-1. and to date on the NFL. And uh, honestly, we're going up against the pros here, Greg, but we're not doing too shabby ourselves by my count. And I rolled through this pretty quickly because we're in a bit of a time crunch in terms of uh, me putting the picks together. I believe that last week you were, excuse me, I was nine and five and you were 10 and four. So back to two out of three profitable weeks to where first week I was 11 and three, you were 10 and four. We took a step back last week, but hell, man, two out of three weeks, we could be in a worse place. Skybox is crushing it as well. I don't really know what to chalk this up to. Didn't didn't the Skybox go nine and one last week? Yes, so they were – I want to make sure I have this correct. So they were seven and oh the first week. I want to make sure I have numbers correct so I don't screw this up. Let's see. I mean, you, yeah, not in one. You're exactly right. Greg list. knows the numbers better than I do. 19 and six year to date on the NFL. Oh. Six and one in the Rippy Wright's free plays. So Ooh. the free plays he's just giving out on this podcast, six and one. How Ooh. about that? I mean, you know, you get you get the love and the laughter for the Rippy the Rippy Wrights, and then you get the locks with the skybox. Like, I don't know why you would not want to listen to any other podcast but this. Yeah, I you're mean, doing like, a better sell job than I can even sell it. You get discounted meats from the best meat market on the face of the planet, and you're making money while doing it by getting these Skybox picks. It's been evident. I mean, I've known people for over ever since we started this thing that's been rolling into LBs doing the Rippy Wright special, but particularly since football season started, I've noticed an uptick of people asking for promo codes on Skybox. So business is booming right now, I should say. I mean, I'm not sitting here trying to complain, but like, you know, whenever the Rippy writes uh, $20, you get a 16-ounce prime strip, and then you get a pound of uh, badass uh, LB sausage. And then if you, like, tune in and, like, get in on that um, Skybox uh, picks, I mean, Skybox is, I think, 9-1 and one on, our, on our podcast right now. 
<laughs> not in one in the NFL last week. Yeah, just murdered it. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't listen to this podcast at all. <laughs> so you're making money and getting uh, and getting ridiculously discounted quality meats. I don't really know what else you need in life. Um, we could maybe start offering vaccines on this podcast. I don't really know. I'm just going out there with what else do you need in society these days? Um, I'm probably not going to start selling underwear, toilet paper, but pretty much the essentials meet and you're making money. Like you could survive off that. Um, so we're, we're, I think we're doing good. I think we're doing good. Rippy. I think we're really doing good. All right. So before we get into these games this week, what we got rolling on at the store, huge weekend, Ole Miss, Alabama. Obviously I know there's more people in town for home games, but I just want, obviously, obviously I've never asked you this in the years we've been doing this podcast are the away games a lot of time big grilling weekends? Because obviously you don't have as many people going to the games. If I lived in Oxford, I can promise you I'd come pay you a visit, throw, you know, pick out my favorite things to throw on the grill and have that bad boy on outside as the evening rolled in. Is Do you notice that at all, or am I just making shit up there? Well, no, I actually think that there's a lot of people that still come to town and are ready to go because, like, they know it's consistent, and uh, they know that that bone-in ribeye and that boneless ribeye is ready to go, and all they got to do is walk into LBs and get it. Uh, you know, like, we just grounded up some fresh uh, Wagyu out of the round. Oh, my God. You can get, like, a pound of ground beef, get a good pound, half of uh, each Wagyu strip. I think that, uh, with that being said, we got some uh, fresh uh, shrimp. I think that it's just it's a good weekend to uh, enjoy yourself, and uh, I think the revs are on fire this weekend. Don't yeah, sleep on them. The most anticipated Ole Miss game in the last half decade, for sure. I'm looking forward to it. I will be at a wedding in Sea Island, Georgia, but I can promise you I'll be locked and loaded at a uh, at a place where I can focus on this for four hours because this is going to be a doozy. Let's uh, we got a good slate of college games. So, you know, last week I was kind of telling the, I guess you, but the listeners as well, where we were kind of right on the fence of like some conference games. And then you got a few like shitty non-conference games and a couple of okay conference games. Like it's October. By the time these games are, are going to be played, we're crossing into the full on threshold. We have a fantastic slate of games this week. And I think this is usually where the gambling correction comes in because there really are no like, Funny business, Georgia State plus 27 lines against Auburn, if you're kind of picking up what I'm putting down. There's a lot of really even matchups this week, and I'm uh, I'm excited to get into it. Let's uh, let's start with some college games here. You ready to roll? I'm ready. All right, let's go. We'll go SEC first. I got a couple games outside the SEC I want to get to, but we will start with a couple of SEC games. And let's see. I want to save Ole Miss Alabama for a little bit later. Here we go. Let's just start it off. Noon game. I can't believe this is a noon game. Arkansas, fresh off an absolutely massive win against Texas A&M, will go against the Georgia Bulldogs minus 18. Excuse me. Georgia is minus 18 uh, in Athens. So Arkansas traveling to Athens. They are minus 18. I'll I'll go first on this one because I have a little – actually some decent thoughts on this game. So this is interesting. I don't know if you watched Arkansas and AM last week, but, you know, we've put so much focus on what K.J. Jefferson, baseball Mississippi product, cannot do. I think we got blinded by the fact that Arkansas really kind of kicks your ass on defense, and really they're pretty good on the offensive line, too. They run the football very well. Because um, if you run the ball with the way they did against that AM defense, you've, you've got something serious up there. And, you know, I, I, I hate to, like, 
I always feel I read a lot of what Neil writes. And so I hate to like sound like I'm copying him, but he put it better than I could, where he's like, football's still one in the trenches with all of like this gimmicky shit you have nowadays. He didn't say shit, but like you get my point. But at the same time, I, I just don't know. Like, I think there's a lower ceiling on this. I don't think Arkansas could beat Ole Miss. I don't think Arkansas is going to beat Alabama, but like two dynamic offenses where AM's offense is one dynamic. And that's what makes this game fascinating because Georgia's right there in the middle. Georgia's offense was terrible against Clemson, didn't look great the next week, and now they're kind of getting healthy. They put 62 on Vanderbilt last week, but, you know, what does that mean? But they are getting healthier. JT Daniels getting in the mix of it. This is a tough one, but I'm done doubting the Hogs. I'll go Arkansas plus 18. I'm not sure Arkansas can score 10 points, but honestly, if they can get to 10, is Georgia going to score 30? So I'll go Arkansas plus 18. That was a mouthful, but where are you going? Well, I mean, it's tough because – you don't know what really can happen in a close game like this. But that being said, I like Arkansas here. I think that the um, the hire with Sam Pittman was a good hire. Um, it reunites. I don't know. I just like it. I just won't think. I just think Arkansas is going to come in there. If they lose a game, they're going to lose by five or our touchdown or whatnot, but I really like Arkansas today. Agree. And then we have Skybox's lines this week. I'm the worst podcast, like, sponsor host ever of all time because, I like, Rob texted me – or, excuse me, the guys at Skybox texted me tonight and were like, what's up? Like, we're doing picks this week. And I was like, damn it. And then they sent me the picks because they're better prepared than I am. Skybox is all over Arkansas as well. So, we're all three on the hogs this week. Next one, we got Tennessee. I think Missouri. the Skylights guys are really good looking guys. I, I really think they're good. They're, they know what they go, they know what's going on. It's almost like our awesome brains, uh, powered by you know, booze, testosterone. And what are you, are you eating right now? What, whatever it is, we're eating. Uh, I'm eating flat wings. Fuck, I'm eating flat wings. Flat wings. Okay, so about sorry, by- <laughs> uh, I, I got my bad bat. Bob Baffert shirt on and uh, I ate some Jaeger bombs and uh, sorry. Uh, So yeah, I'm uh, I'm on the flat wings. Okay. So we're powered by brain food, testosterone and booze, uh, I guess in your case, and we are matching them pound for pound on their little nerd analytics probability stuff. So it's really just a uh, battle of the wits over here on the Rippy rights podcast. The next game we have, uh, honestly, this is a fascinating game for different reasons, but Tennessee is on the road at Missouri. It's Missouri minus two and a half. Missouri has been, as Weldon Rodenberg put it on her Sunday show, pretty much the definition of average. Their offense is eh, probably slightly above eh, I think as Weldon put it, and then their defense is slightly below average. It's Missouri minus two and a half. Obviously, if these guys played on a neutral field, this is about as a pick as pick gets. You know, as crazy as it sounds – I uh, I think I'm going to go Tennessee here. I, I don't think they have as much talent as Missouri does. I don't really understand Missouri's quarterback situation. I think that kid's okay, but I'm not sure about the weapons around him. But in these type of games, I'd feel better if this was in Knoxville. But um, I like Heupel, and I think they can scheme it up pretty well. They don't have as much depth, but I don't think Missouri does either. So I'm actually going to go with the Vols plus two and a half on the road here. I like it. Um, I'm going with you on the Tennessee. I just looked at these uh, – Nice bone-in French lamb racks. And then it just kind of reminded me of uh, Josh Heifel and uh, 
the Tennessee Volunteers. So I, I think this uh, French rack of uh, Tennessee Volunteer lamb uh, is going to be the ticket to us winning. So let's go with the uh, Tennessee Volunteers. There we go. And uh, the Skybox guys went against us on this one. Skybox is on Missouri. So oh, we're dead. They're all over Missouri. Yeah, college football, though, they haven't been as hot. And I'm not negging my sponsor here. Those guys still know exactly what they're doing, and they know way better than we do. But they they, they haven't whipped us as bad on college as they have on the NFL. So just keep that in mind for all you nerds out there going off the uh, math and stuff. Next one, we are going to roll into Kentucky-Florida, a 6 p.m. game. Kentucky, this is a fascinating one. Honestly, you're going to be one in front of the TV, going to want to be in front of the TV all day. I can't talk. Um, all day, because there's some really fascinating SEC matchups. 6 p.m. game, or excuse me, 5 o'clock game, actually, I think. Kentucky is plus 7.5 at home against the Florida Gators. I'll lead us off again. I think Florida's pretty good. I think Mullen's done a pretty good coaching job with this team. I think Emory Jones has kind of been basically the best version of himself. But I believe in this Kentucky roster. They won ugly so far this year. But I think their defense is good. And Lexington's kind of become a sneaky, weird place to play. Uh, I, I just can't – I probably wouldn't bet this game, period. But I can't in good faith take Florida more than a touchdown against this Kentucky roster in Kentucky. So I'm actually going to go the underdog three times in a row. I'm going to go the Wildcats plus seven and a half at home. I love it. I mean, I'm sitting here eating flat wings, and I'm thinking about Kentucky. And Kentucky's the most beautiful state in the world. I mean, have you ever been to Kingland? I would recommend it. I'm on Kentucky. I think that Kentucky might win this game. There we go. I actually don't hate that one at all. I like the little sprinkling money line. The true uh... – the true Greg brain's coming out tonight. We're on the same page there. I actually wouldn't be shocked if Kentucky won that game either. I was all over the hot take earlier this year that Kentucky's going to win the SEC East. Not win the SEC East, excuse me. That's that. Talk about it. Scorching take. Finish second in the East. Stand corrected there. And I guess this would be their game to do it. I don't feel as great about it um, as I did a couple weeks ago, but whatever. Uh, next one we're going to go to AM minus. This game has dropped all the way to seven. I think I sent Skybox at eight. So we'll play it at eight, I guess. But this has since dropped to seven. AM is minus eight, I guess, at home. Again, if you're out there listening, you can get this at a touchdown, which honestly would affect my pick. But whatever, we'll go eight. Minus eight at home against Mississippi State. Mississippi State makes the road trip out to College Station after a pretty underwhelming showing against uh, LSU last weekend, I guess what I mean by that would be the fact that uh, they played pretty well in between the 20s, which is kind of their story, but did a lot of dumb shit inside the uh, red zone, and uh, LSU came out with that one. I'll let you lead off this. You got to lean here. AM and minus eight in College Station against Mississippi State. Yeah, I just like uh, A&M. Uh, I, I can't bet on Mississippi State. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, you hire the right situation for the right player and the coach. You look at um, Sam Pittman with Arkansas, look at Lane Kiffin with Ole Miss, that was a slam dunk hire. And uh, I just don't think that uh, – what's his name? Uh, Mike Leach. Yeah, Mike Leach is just not a slam dunk hire, you know. And uh, I actually went to uh, Starkville a couple of days ago. I got invited to a golf tournament. And uh, 
Old Waverly, beautiful course, beautiful course. But like, uh, it canceled me out whenever I realized that uh, Mike Leaves was the coach at uh, at Mississippi State. I I, I like. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with this. We'll roll with it. Yeah, I like A&M, too. I'm with you. I can't do state, and it's not the whole nauseating egg ball thing. It's just that product just is – I mean, if I were actually going to wager on this game, that product is just – I couldn't in, in good faith or really enjoy betting on state with the way that goes because they, like, tease you. Like I mentioned, it's really in between the 30s, and then obviously when the field shrinks a little bit, it's like, okay, what are we doing here? So I'm going to go with the Aggies minus eight. Uh, Skybox is actually all over the Mississippi State Bulldogs this week. I feel like that's probably the more shrewd play. Like if you're actually like kind of doing this and, you know, your livelihood and money depends upon it. Like I, I get it. Like I, I, that's probably the smarter play, but I, I just can't do it. Um, I wanted to save this one for last, but, you know, we're just going to go ahead and roll with this. The absolute game of the century, the game people have been waiting for for months and years, UConn Vandy. Uh, I think people on the internet are calling this the Sickos Bowl. If this tells you anything, Greg, UConn, excuse me, Vanderbilt opened at minus 14, if I'm not mistaken, and this bad boy has gone to 16 points. This Vanderbilt team that lost 62 to nothing to Georgia last week is minus 16 against UConn. This is the ultimate seek help bowl. I will let you lead this one off because people will remember where they were when they made this pick. So what's the name of this? What's the name of this bowl? So they're calling it the Sickos Bowl, which I think is the new name for degenerate. I think that's what all the Gen Z kids are saying these days. But the fact that if you're betting on UConn Vandy at 7 o'clock at night, you're either in a hole trying not to beat the man 36 hours later or you have issues. Where are we going here? So so do we feel comfortable with, like, never thinking that Vanderbilt would ever beat a team by more than 14 points? Well, yeah, no, I said this on the armchair podcast I do on Tuesday nights. Uh, I know gambling is, like, still frowned upon amongst the schools, but if I'm Vanderbilt sports information director, I'm putting it on the game notes. We were once favored by 16 in the year 2021 because it may be a half decade before this happens again. Whew. I mean, uh, I got in on the butcher versus the spin instructor, uh, and I'm 28 and 10. So I end up going in with a uh, – the uh, UConn Huskies because uh, I'm hoping that Ray Allen posts up on the in the corner for a three pointer to cover the spread. Does that help? Yeah, that seems pretty bulletproof to me. I'm going to go with the Doors minus 16. I'm not even sure which one's grosser: the fact that you just bet on UConn or the fact that I laid 16 points with Vanderbilt. Let's see what the professionals are going here. The uh, guys at Skybox are on UConn, so make whatever the hell you want. Of oh, that. they know about Ray Allen. They know about Ray Allen. Oh, buddy. I'm, I'm, I will not watch a second of that game, but I promise you I'll pull it up on my scores app, but I'm at this wedding reception in Sea Island. Can, just can, uh, my ass off either way. Can, we, can we work something out with uh, every person that had watched two minutes of this game gets a 15% discount at LB's? Sure. What? How are we going to go proof a concept? How are we going to prove that they? I mean, don't I don't know. Take Just their word for it. Ribby writes the best podcast ever. I mean, that's true. Like, we can see it in their eyes, honestly. Like if someone says that they came in and they watched all of Vanderbilt UConn, you could look them in the eye and tell them whether they're lying because I feel like that could wear on a man. 
I just, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to uh, make sure the customer is taken care of and just, you know, if, if, if you're uh, struggling for uh, content, I, I think if you watch the uh, Vanderbilt versus UConn game and you just say, I love LBs and I just love the steaks and uh, I think you can get a discount. So there you have it. I'm the lone guy on Vanderbilt laying the points. I'm not scared. You guys are on UConn. We are two more college games before we get to the league where they uh, play for pay, as we say it. We are going to Death Valley to where LSU is now minus three against Auburn. This is an interesting one from the standpoint of LSU looked okay last week. I still was not inspired by their effort. Effort, I should say. The overall performance against Miss a pretty lowly Mississippi State squad. Bo Nix gets benched against Georgia State last week. T.J. Finley comes in and leads a 98-yard drive, which was their only offensive touchdown the entire night. I think there's a world. I'd like to know who's starting this game. I haven't kept up with Auburn this week in terms of their media availability. Um, I reserve the right to change this if Bo Nix is still the starter, but if they start TJ Finley, they might have a better version of Auburn here. And I take Auburn plus three. Where are you going here? Man, this is a, should be sneaky good game because like nobody actually cares who wins this game. But I just think LSU uh, late night Baton Rouge uh, after eight o'clock, uh, they get the hall pass on this. There we go. So you are on what, – what are you on, Auburn or LSU? Uh, LSU, hall pass. LSU, hard, hall pass at 10 o'clock. There we go. Uh, Skybox is with you on this. They are on LSU as well. That will be a, hopefully a fun one, although I could see that being a blowout. And honestly, if it's a blowout either way, it wouldn't overly stun me. Last one we will go with today – is Cincinnati and Notre Dame. And this game has shifted all the way to Cincinnati minus one. And I don't even care, man. I'm riding the Cincinnati Bearcats. We mentioned against yeah. Indiana and against Notre Dame. They have two chances if they're going to get in the college football playoff to win these big time games and put up style points. I know it's weird to call Indiana a big time game, but it's a power five game. Look, man, they're like number six in the country or whatever it is. And it's weird to say, like, you, there's an argument out there to be made that Cincinnati is one of the five best teams in the country right now. And this comes after the entire college football playoff era. You couldn't even have a group of five teams sniff it. And now it would seem like if it's Cincinnati wins out, they're probably getting in, which is a weird place to be. We have more time to talk about that. But I'm all over Desmond Ritter and Cincinnati here. I, as well coached and as much as I talked up Notre Dame last week, I still think, Brian, this Notre Dame team, is kind of fraudulent despite Brian Kelly being, I think, a really good coach. I'm all over the Cincinnati Bearcats here. What about you? I'm, I, I have to agree with you. So uh, I wish I could take a picture with me and the Bob Baffert T-shirt uh, so we can post it on the Twitter and be official of uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats. This is all day long. They're, this is the lock of the year. Okay, we got our college lock. I think we're both going – uh, the skybox is on Cincinnati as well, so it sounds like this is both of our locks. Yeah, for, for sure. College, We get one for college, we'll go five in the NFL. Can I take a picture of me and Bob Baffert uh, with his uh, red resi nose? Absolutely. We'll put that out with the podcast because that's what we in the biz call marketing. We're here to make money. There we go. All right. 
There's a couple other college games. I'm not going to probably get to any of them because I want to get to these NFL slate. Uh, Boston College plus 15 on the road against Clemson looks ultra tasty uh, just because I think Boston College, had they not lost their quarterback, could actually have a chance to contend in the ACC. And Clemson's offense is atrocious. I'm not sure how you could lay 15 points with them. Um, I'm trying to make sure I didn't miss any other like major, major games. Iowa's minus three on the road against Maryland. I'd probably roll Iowa there. Uh, just because I think they're more talented than Maryland. I think that's just about everything. You got anything that uh, stands out to you? Man, I mean, I think there's really good games and just be excited about sitting down and drinking your favorite drink and uh, enjoying whatever game is involved. But I think that Ole Miss-Alabama uh, is sneaky good at 2.30. Yeah, shoot, I missed that one. I'm sorry. I was. I, what am I doing? I'm the worst podcast host of all time. I literally went without about going the Ole Miss game. I literally skipped that. Ole Miss now plus 14 and a half in Bryant Denny. And uh, obviously in Tuscaloosa against Alabama, the game we kind of been beating around the bush for all week. Um, I think people are know where I'm going with this. I think Ole Miss has a chance to win this game. Um, not only, I think 14 and a half is way too much. It's open at 17 and a half. I'm all over the Rebels. I'll just go over and spoil it. Skybox is all over the Rebels. Um, honestly, I'd. I wouldn't say I'd be surprised if Ole Miss didn't win this game. I would be surprised if Ole Miss didn't have this within one score in the fourth quarter. Uh, I'm all over the Rebels here. Yeah, I'm sitting here trying not to uh, put my feet in the concrete and just, uh, you know, get sunk with the team but whatnot. Uh, I've been told that, you know, the Rebs are ready to go and uh, everything's in order, and uh, I can't see why the Rebs don't win this game. But – I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, it's a lot, but I think that a little two-game teaser or parlay with the uh, Ole Miss and the uh, Arkansas, just, uh, you know, sit back and relax and uh, watch them cover and uh, collect money. I, I just – that's how I feel about it. Sean Rawlings thinks it's real. Uh, you were following up a Sean Rawlings interview. I knew you were aware of this. You were both MRA alums. It's really just an MIS powerhouse in this show. He believes the confidence that Ole Miss has going into this game is real. I mean, we talked about it towards the end of our interview where it's like, you know, Sean's a SEC offensive lineman, right? Like you're kind of just wired differently. You're just a different breed of human to play that position and do what it takes. But even he admitted, like, the confidence of Ole Miss going against Alabama in, like, 18, where you knew the defense was not stopping anyone and he didn't really have a shot. And the confidence of, you know, them walking into that building in 15 thinking they were going to kick Alabama's ass and it was just kind of business as usual. There's a difference. And, you know, I'm not sure it's as warranted with this team because they're not as talented top to bottom. But um, this team certainly has that confidence, whether it's irrational or not. And I think that matters. I, I honest to God, don't hate Ole Miss's chances of winning this game. Well, I mean, you know, whenever uh, there's private school association players involved and then there's uh, Jackson Academy and Madison Original Academy players, you know, there's a separation between the two. So, like, I cannot uh, fault uh, Rollins for uh, appreciating that and uh, knowing that they could go into Tuscaloosa and win that game. Scholars, leaders, athletes, gentlemen, that's what they call the uh, MIS. I actually just stole that from Pike's second round of Rush when I was a freshman. There's going to be about 10 people out there that listen to this podcast that understand that reference that are going to laugh their ass off. So I hope I made someone's day out there because I went through second round of Rush when I was a freshman and 
I heard those dudes from Pike chant that. And I was like, were we supposed to get testosterone injections at the door? Where did I miss that? Like, where are the needles? It was, it was a lot. I'll say that. Um, anyway, that got weird for a second. Now we're transitioning as the great Mike Francesa says to the league where they play for pay. Got a weird, weird NFL slate this week. A lot of like watchable games, but not a like ton of like, where were you when this game happened regular season to where it's a, uh, kind of edge on your seat television in terms of just absolute marquee matchups, but uh, a lot of directions we could go here with this one. I don't know where you uh, want to. So start. sneaky good. So sneaky good. It's a lot of decent games, not a lot of great games, but I'll take that any day of the week. Let's start off with our favorite team, the Atlanta Falcons coming off a ugly win in the, uh, I was about to say the Meadowlands, where the hell MetLife Stadium is against the New York football giants. That game went about as we thought. We said we were done with the Falcons. If they did not cover it, they did cover. Congrats to Matt Ryan. Class act on that one. They are plus one and a half at home against the Washington football team. This stinks to high heaven. If there's a stay away, my God, but you know we can't stop. We can't quit the Falcons. I'll let you lead this off. Atlanta plus one and a half at home against Washington. I mean, don't stop when you can't stop. Let's do the plus one. I mean, we'll roll the dice. This is the maybe the dumbest bet we've done all year, but I'm with you. We're, I'm right on we, on you with that. Whatever. Take my money, Vegas. Detroit, another just doozy of an early game. Detroit visiting Chicago. Matt Nagy has kind of entered that Twitter sphere where he's just the dumbest asshole that's ever lived, and there's not a close second because of the way Wait, he's handled the quarterback situation. Is this in Arlington? No, no, no. This game is – oh, yeah, you're right. Arlington Park, no. This is still in Chicago for the time being. Imagine kind of being the person that let the Bears get out of Chicago, but neither here nor there. Man, bummer. Bears I mean, minus three. Arlington was the first million-dollar horse race ever. Are that the Arlington-Chicago or where I live? Yeah, Arlington, Arlington where the Chicago you – know, yes. So, with that being said, Arlington, uh, Dirt Mile – was the first million dollar race of all time, and now the Bears are in charge of it. There we go. I love that fun fact. So, with that being said, are you going Bears minus three or Detroit plus three? Uh, I'll I like you Detroit. This one. I'm in. A, I'm in on Detroit. I'm a Detroit Tigers guy. Uh, I, I think that Matt Nagy uh, he might need to uh, drink a Coors Light or uh, two or five. Uh, he probably needs to come to the uh, library and sports bar uh, handicap and uh, re read a couple books. I think that uh, Matt Nagy is not the not the answer for the Chicago uh, – no, the Arlington Bears. I apologize. I uh, certainly agree with you on that one. Um, although I got a weird take on Arlington Nagy. Bears. Nagy's Can you imagine naming the Arlington Bears the Chicago Bears? Yeah, that would that would suck. I kind of agree with Nagy, like on the Nagy front, but it's like I think he was also weirdly kind of correct in the sense that Fields clearly is not ready to start, but no one wants to see Andy Dalton because this is fits on the theme that I've had this whole week on the podcast. Like whether you're college or professional team, you're kind of selling hope, and no one's buying into hope with thirty whatever year old Red Rocket Andy Dalton. And, but at the same time, Fields is clearly not ready, but his scheme is not doing him any favors. It's a, it's a crappy place to be, and it usually results in the coach getting fired and the second coach getting a fresh start with a pretty good, talented quarterback. I'm with you on this one, not to prolong the point. 
Detroit plus three. Detroit's played a terrible schedule. They had to play San Francisco at home the first week, then go to Lambeau and then host the Ravens. And they were up at halftime at Lambeau. They would have won the game outright against the Ravens last week, if not for a 66-yard field goal that bounced off the uprights from Justin Tucker, the greatest kicker of all time. And they ended up finishing that San Francisco game against a one-score game. This is all over. This is probably Lions' money line to me. I know it's on the road, but they're not a bad football team. They're not great talent-wise, and they're a little thin defensively. But they play hard for that meathead Dan Campbell, and I think there's all over it. I think they're a better coach than Chicago. So to me, this would actually be at uh, Detroit money line. I, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is full on just off in the weeds grossness, but I'm going to lock the Lions plus three. Thoughts? Love it. I mean, we just rolled the dice and uh, we roll with the situation. But like, man, it's just hard. I mean, like they lost a hard fought game with a 66 yard field goal. There could they went off the be- upright and kicked upward. Have you ever seen a dude go a thing off the upright and just go straight up like that? God, I was hoping that it would like pop up straight up in the air and then go forward and uh, the 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 uh, lines win. But I mean, Justin Tucker uh, actually has some uh, lead in that foot and he can kick the hell out of it. So. We're not going to complain about it. And, uh, I mean, you know, if uh, Lamar Jackson knows that he needs to get to the what yard line to get a 66-yard field goal to win the game, like, I would be uh, taking advantage of that. Let's see. Keeping it moving, my New York – or, excuse me, I was about to say my New York football Titans. That would have been a weird one. The Titans are on the road against the Jets. I, you know, I've, I try to do the whole, like, Elijah Moore. I picked him in two fantasy leagues. I, I was bullish on Zach Wilson. I listened to a Trent Dilfer interview with Russillo earlier this week to kind of point out, and Dilfer pointed out, like, this guy's just not really seeing it. He's just kind of all flash and sizzle. He has a terrible offensive line. The Jets are home, but it's Jets plus six and a half. I, if you bet on this game, what I don't understand what's wrong with you. I don't know how you could have a lean on this. What, I guess what about just for Michael Wilbon's uh, uh, partake on Lane Kiffin? Mike Wilbon doesn't watch college football. He like his whole point was like, I'm picking Alabama because Lane Kiffin's a clown. It's like, hey, dumbass! Like the entire reason that this game made your television show ever, is because of Lane Kiffin. I don't think he's ever watched a college. Well, let's see. When was Northwestern decent in football? So I think that was like what 2004. They've had some decent teams over the year, but to kind of add on to your point, he doesn't watch college football. He's a Chicago sports guy. Why does he give a shit about college football? I, I can't wait when Ole Miss wins this game. And, uh, you know, I'm not sitting here saying that they will win this game by two or three touchdowns, but, like, I really think that, like, it was really great that uh, the last show that PTI ever has is uh, – an interview with Lane Kiffin and is like, Hey, uh, so Mike, uh, how, how do you feel about, uh, football and college football as it is? Yeah. I, I wrote about this in the newsletter today and I kind of stayed away from getting in a rant to it on the podcast, but whatever we're here. Like look, my thing with that is, I don't know why anyone cares. Like, why do you take Mike Wilbon's opinion? Not you like talk about just collectively, like the general public. 
Like, why do you it's take terrible. Mike Wilbon's opinion seriously on college football? The guy clearly doesn't watch it. You knew that within the first two seconds where he said, I'm picking Alabama because Lane Kiffin's a clown. It's like, dude, the reason that this game made your show run down is because of what Lane Kiffin's done at Ole Miss. It's just, I respect Mike Wilbon. I respect Tony Kornheiser. They're two of the last, like, larger-than-life American sports newspaper columnists. Those guys don't exist anymore. And pardon, excuse, pardon my take, pardon the interruption, is a great show. Both of those are great shows, by the way, in different ways. But clearly, this is the classic case of an older guy in sports media that has lost his fastball, that doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. It was just like, oh, yeah, Lane Kiffin, that guy in 09 who was once the coach of the Rangers, to hell with him, and then just fired off a tape. Like, he doesn't know anything. So, like, why get worked up over it? I just – that day and age to me is just weird. It's like anytime someone has a take on something, everyone has to react. Like, I don't ask my mailman how to cook a steak, and I don't ask my doctor how to, like, fix a window. Like, I, like they, they can have opinions on it, but it doesn't mean I have to give a shit. I just – I don't understand this day and age. I get he's in sports. That's not a perfect example. But, like, clearly Mike Wilbon does not watch college football. So why do you care what he says? Anyways. Well, obviously, obviously he needs some clicks because he has no uh... – no, no options on the clicks because uh yeah it's just a lazy one so i don't know how the world we got on to mike wilbon but are you going titans or jets no we I, I can't do the jets i'm titans i don't even love the bet but like i can't do the jets yeah I, i'll do the titans just because i think that uh offensive line and the uh running of uh derrick henry is just too good across the board so with that being said I love the uh, the Titans here, and I think this will be an easy cover. Fascinating game here. This is actually the first good game we've gotten to yet. The Minnesota Vikings, who had kind of a season-saving win last week, that was a big one for me against Seattle at home because the Vikings would have been 0-3 or home again against the Cleveland Browns. And to me, this is like the classic quarterback you don't trust bowl. It's Minnesota plus 2.5. I love Cleveland's overall roster much better. But Minnesota at home, I think I trust Kirk Cousins a little more than I do. Baker Mayfield, that Minnesota defense, this seems like a classic game where uh, Cleveland kind of shits the bed a little bit. I think I'm going to go uh, Minnesota plus two and a half at home here. I, I, I agree with you on this. I, I like the I like Minnesota here. Let's roll the dice. Yeah, the, the way this bet doesn't cash is that they are terrible against the run and Chubb, who has not been great in fantasy the last two weeks, as I own, I own Chubb in two leagues, I think. Um, like the argument against that would be he just runs for 150 and two touchdowns and they just can't stop anyone. But I kind of like Minnesota here. Um, keeping it moving along in the 1 o'clock games or noon games, Miami minus two against Indianapolis. I'm assuming this is Jacoby Brissett starting again. Now, Miami Dolphins' defense was actually pretty good last week. They just weren't good offensively. They forced overtime against the Raiders. It was a valiant effort. I think I'm getting suckered into all these underdogs, but I just think Indianapolis is a better team right now than Miami is. So this is a gross one, and I'm going to regret it, but who cares? I'll go Indianapolis plus two on the road. Game's in Miami. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you because, uh, you know, Indianapolis is uh, a solid team across the board, you know, but, like, with that being said, the defense wins games, and uh, I think they've got a better defense. And uh, is uh, Tyler Boga playing for the 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 uh, the Dolphins or no? Nailed it! Yeah, Tua Tonga Bailoa. He is. Uh, he is. Uh, Sorry, I had I had it online all the time. 
he is still out, if I, I'm guessing. I actually haven't looked that up, but he's got a cracked rib. There's no way he's playing two weeks removed. Yeah, he's uh, hanging out in the, uh, the spa. Yes, so we are key. Let's see, keeping it moving on these end of these one o'clock games. Here's an interesting one. Dallas, uh, it's looked really good. Uh, that that offense looks like it is absolutely clicking. I think you could see seeds of this, even though they lost week one against um, Tampa Bay. Dallas is minus four and a half against Carolina. That Carolina defense is good. The analytics nerds really love them. You know, it's amazing when you surround Sam Darnold with some semblance of competency, like kind of what he's able to do. No Christian McCaffrey, but honest to God, I, I I like Christian McCaffrey. He's a great fantasy player. I have him in one of the three leagues I'm in. I, I know I've sounded like I'm saying I own every fantasy player. I promise I'm not being that guy. It's just the way it's, the pod's worked out. It doesn't make that much of a difference on the field at times. Like, he missed a lot of time last year, and the Panthers were still competitive. It's plus four and a half. Like, to me, I want to say the Panthers are going to kind of, like, sneak up on him, and this is the game the Cowboys, like, shit the bet on. Mike McCarthy has some sort of timeout snafu, but – Yes. I'm actually a Cowboys believer this year, and I can't believe I'm saying that. I swear it's not because I live, live in Texas and see it everywhere. Even despite their coaching staff, the Dak in that offense is good, and the defense is not. But, like, you're not – facing a dynamic offense here i'm gonna go cowboys minus four and a half like a year ago i would have never laid this so is this the jaeger bomb play of the uh of the week so i love it may be yeah i mean i'm 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 out on uh dak i mean dak has a really nice uh commercial with uh blue delta jeans and uh where he uh is very agile with his blue delta jeans on but I, I like Carolina. I think that uh, they pulled the trigger on a good uh, trade for Sam Darnold, and uh, I like I like Carolina a lot this week. This is going to be one of those games. By the time we get to Sunday, I actually probably pulled the trigger on Carolina if we're being completely honest. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I that my, me picking the Cowboys was just me giving kind of credence to them. I think they're actually a competent, functioning football team if they can get a little better defensively. I just don't think they're as big a mess as they we're kind of accustomed to seeing. But we shall see. Uh, to you round out the one o'clock game, you can't so. change you can't change your bet on the a locally owned and uh, uh, Mississippi business related uh, you know Delta Blue Jean on this. But like, I think that uh, they're sneaky good on this. You got to watch out. Saints coming back home to the Dome for the first time since Hurricane Ida. In all seriousness, that'll be hopefully a pretty awesome scene. Um, you know, the Saints being 2-1, and one, given everything they've endured. And, uh, you know, I honestly haven't been as checked in as I probably, like, I say should be. But, like, just wish I had on just kind of the situation in the Ida aftermath. I, I hope this is kind of a cool moment for both uh, for both New Orleans and kind of Saints fans in general. It's minus seven against the New York football giants. Poor Danny Dimes and the Giants, man. I read that they've started 2-0 and like four, three or four years in a row. And they had their chance last week to right the ship against the Atlanta Falcons. And they didn't. And I think they're going to go 0-4, 0-5. I'm all over the Saints here, minus seven, without a shadow of a doubt. I, I agree. I think the – you know uh... – I mean, I think Jameis Winston is actually really good quarterback. Um, I just think that uh, there's certain things that he hasn't understood on certain things that where the offense goes. I mean, I think the Saints win by two or three touchdowns 
I'm not taking away uh, anything on the the Giants, but like I'm hoping that Eli and um, Peyton do the uh, Ole Miss uh, Tennessee game and uh, maybe make the world a better place to live in. That's my that's my that's my choice in life. There we go. I'm all over the Saints there too. I might lock it. I I think they're probably going to destroy them. A lot of momentum there and. They're- I just don't get the Danny Dimes thing. I get it. He runs well, but like, could he throw it well and maybe not fumble the football? That'd be nice. So I'm all over the uh, Saints there. Last one or two more one o'clock games. Uh, Here's kind of an interesting one. The Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs are one and two. Um, We were bullish on the Chargers. You actually, I was listening to the podcast last week because I forgot a couple picks as I do every week because I get distracted and don't write them all down. You actually pulled the trigger on the Chargers covering the plus whatever it was. It doesn't really matter because they won the game in Kansas City. That's a Jagerbomb special. Yeah, and they won the game outright. So credit to you on that one. The Chiefs are one and two, two games behind the Oakland Raiders. And, look, I know it's early, but, man, the Raiders kind of look like a wagon. And, look, it's Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying the Chiefs are in trouble by any means. But that defense is bad. That run defense is really, really bad. And you have teams now that are playing a lot of – Again, I have to preface this every time. I am no X's and O's savant, but it's fairly obvious to anyone that watches a lot of football. There are teams playing two high safeties every single time, basically just daring the Chiefs to put together the 12-13 play drive and kind of basically testing Patrick Mahomes' patience. And it's worked to some degree because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has not been a very good running back for the Chiefs so far. I love the guy in college, but the reality is the reality. They're one and two. I can't see them going one and three. With that said, it's Eagles plus seven in Philadelphia. I, you know, my take last week was this is a big bounce back week for the Chiefs. They'll go, they won't go one and two. And of course, I was hugely wrong on that. Are you going to take the Chiefs on the road here, minus seven? Where are you going? I'm going to go with the Eagles. I, I, I like the home dog. I mean, you know, because. Man, Jalen Hurts is a winner. Uh, Donvante Smith is uh, on the wide receiver cord. But, I mean, like, you don't doubt the professional athlete. And uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the home team here. Uh, I just think that um, – I mean, I don't know, man. I just think that KC uh, honeymoon is over. I think that they need to learn how to uh, be the better team in the situations and win these games. You know, when you whip out the uh, don't doubt the professional athlete line, because that's what led to you locking the Jets a couple of times last year. So shit is getting real when you throw that one out there. Well, I mean, I'm I'm, uh, I mean, my thing is, is I forgot that uh, just it's, it's, it's a tough way to win and a tough way to make money. But like you have to be smart because like. This is a serious game because if the if KC loses this game, they're one and three and they're uh, you know waiting for uh, cupcakes to uh, get back in the saddle. For sure, the last one o'clock game we have is Bills minus seventeen at home against the Houston Texans. I'm guessing that means Tyrod Taylor is not playing in this game. Just a hunch if it's seventeen points. You know our rule on this. We don't really have any rules, but look, man, I like the Bills. I think they're good. I don't think their defense is as good as they were, let's say, like week seven through last year. I think the offense is kind of rounding in the form, but the Texans are not the Jaguars. 
and they're not the Jets in terms of like a sheer lack of talent. Although the Jets are not a great example because the Jets actually have some talent and speed defensively. They're just so incompetent on offense. It doesn't matter. 17 points is too much. I would never actually play this game, but if you're going to make me make a pick, it's Texans plus 17 all day. Are you kidding me? An NFL team getting two and a half touchdowns? I'm all over the Texans here. I don't love it per se, but I mean, I just, I'm not doing the Bills minus 17. They lost to the Steelers in week one at home. Like, I just can't do it. Yeah, there's things in life that you do, and there's things in life that you don't do, but you roll the dice on certain things, and uh, there's no way. No way. Uh, uh, we're going to go with the, uh, the Texans here, and uh, if they they don't cover, then uh, we move on. And uh, that's that's how that goes. I love it. All right, we're into the late slate now. The late slate is going to be the place to be if you're an NFL fan on Sunday because the games are way, way better. And that's partially because we have the entire NFC West paired together, and we're just going to get to those games right away. 405, right out of the gates. The L.A. Rams hosting the Arizona Cardinals. The L.A. Rams are minus four. Fascinating game on a lot of fronts here. Stafford and the L.A. Rams have looked like every bit of the Super Bowl contender. We thought they can win games in different ways despite the running back injuries. The defense has been awesome. They've aired it out. They've run through football decently well, although I think it's been consistent at times. And then on the flip side of that, it's honestly like Kyler Murray having a hurt shoulder affected his play or something like that towards the end of the last year because when he's fully healthy, he's di- absolutely dynamic. I, I, I think the Rams win this game because I think they're much better coach. I still don't love Kingsbury. I think he's a decent play caller, but I just think the Cardinals do too much dumb shit. You know, the Bill Simmons podcast calls the Cardinals the cocaine Cardinals because gambling on them really is like a rush. Uh, look, I'm not, nope. I haven't done cocaine out there, but uh, you know, from what I hear, well, I have, and okay. I'm going to take, take the, 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 the Cardinals here. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I'll accept it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I just think that uh, the Cardinals are a good player. I mean, they're a good team. But they went to Texas, uh, Tennessee and uh, played a really good game. And uh, put uh, yeah, I just – yeah, I'm cocaine Cardinals, whatever. I have nothing to add on to that. My end Sorry. point is going I mean, to be like, I think we they're might... worst coach, but it's a lot of points and this could be a shootout. So, whatever, man, sign me up for the cocaine Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, look, look, uh, I had a buddy that we went to, uh, I played in a golf tournament at uh, Old Waverly, and uh, he said that he downloaded our podcast, and he said that he thoroughly enjoyed it. So, uh, you know, I'm going to roll the dice with the Cocaine Cardinals. Okay, the Cocaine Cardinals are here to stay. It's, it's Cardinals plus four. I'll ride with you on that one. I was going to think about the Rams, but after that, just – after that dynamite drop in, I, I can't go another way. The, uh, I don't even know how to really follow this up, but we're going to have to go on to another game. As you said, after the last one, we, we have to move on. <laughs> San Francisco minus three against Seattle. Um, I don't know what to make of Seattle quite yet. They're one and two, and I tend to think a Russell Wilson team doesn't go one and three. And they kind of dig themselves out and kind of have a gutty performance here. But I don't trust Seattle's defense, and I really don't trust the way they're using Russell Wilson. I thought it would be different since they changed coordinators, and it hasn't been a ton different. And, you know, San Francisco looked pretty good against Green Bay. It was kind of one of those just tough games to lose. They got down early. They were a little dysfunctional. 
I don't understand like what their end goal is with Jimmy G. Like either he's your quarterback and you let him die by the sword by letting him throw the football downfield or he's not. And you bench him this whole letting him throw five times a game when you're on your third string running back. Doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but Kyle Shanahan has forgotten more football than I'll ever even begin to learn. And I'm going to ride with him here. I, I just like San Francisco much better. I like their coaching staff. I like their roster. The only advantage Seattle has in this game to me is a quarterback. Maybe that's enough, but I'll take San Francisco minus three at home any day of the week coming off a loss. This is a lock. This is my second lock. I'm locking San Francisco minus three. All right. What, uh, what is uh, sports box do on this? They're not giving out the free plays. So they have one free play I'll read at the end, but they're not riding with this on the NFL because they charge clients and stuff for that. Cause they have this whole deal. They have to make money or something. It's a real racket, but apparently they do this well, profit. I, I, I will recommend any of these people that listen to this podcast. You should get in on the score box because they were. Uh, what were they? Nine and one last week. Yes, the noted score box sports picks nine and one. I mean, so uh, you know, it, it's kind of funny listening to us, and we have a good time and whatnot, but. We can you can cash in on these score box picks, and uh, I think they know what's going on. I'm going to go with uh, San Francisco on this, you know, just because uh, I, you know, I just have a free play here, and uh, I'm hoping that the uh, horse comes around the corner, and uh, when it comes, it comes. There we go. Who is score box sports picks? Glad you asked. They're the world's best score box site. All right, we got two more games to go. The two 425 games, two good ones for very different reasons. Denver hosting the Baltimore Ravens. The Denver Broncos are 3-0. Teddy Bridgewater has looked really good. He's kind of in that Tyrod Taylor zone. He's probably a little better, but like he's a good placeholder NFL quarterback. You can go to the playoffs with Teddy Bridgewater. And if you have the right defense around him and the right skill players, there's a world where you could win a Super Bowl with Teddy Bridgewater. And some people will probably scoff at that notion. But if Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, and I get it, he had one of the most insane, you know, four-week stretches in the playoffs in 2011 or 12, whatever that was, ever. But I just don't believe that if you went, if Joe Flacco wins a Super Bowl, you can't win with Bridgewater. With that said, the Denver Broncos have beaten the Giants, the Jets, and the Jaguars. So I think it's a little fraudulent. The fact that this game's a pick them. Denver's got a good defense, but Lamar kind of preys on bad teams, even if the defense is good. I'm going to use my third lock here. I don't even love the, the Ravens, but they'll win this game outright. I don't really believe in the Broncos yet. Maybe I'm wrong. So if it's a pick them, I'm going to go uh, Baltimore straight up with a lock. Thoughts? Okay, so uh, here I am with that not-so-fast uh, Lee Corso. Not-so-fast Lee Corso. Uh, I'm going to go with the Broncos here. <laughs> uh, you know, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm here with it. I'm just trying to go against the grain. Uh, I'm going hit with the not-so-fast. Uh, let's go with the Lee Corso uh, Broncos here. All right, so you're, you're, on, where, you're on the uh, Ravens? No, the uh, – oh, you're on the Broncos? No, no, I'm on the Ravens. Sorry, I uh, no, not so fast. Oh, I'm Sorry, on the I've, got, I've confused I'm on myself. So You're fast. on the Broncos here. I don't hate it. Not so fast. Not so fast. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Broncos. There we go. And honestly, they're a horse. Could you like if you pick against a horse team, it goes against your principles. Yeah. No, I like horses. Yeah. No, it's a big horse guy. There we go. So we got one more late game, then we'll get to Sunday night, Monday night game. 
Packers minus six in Lambeau against the Steelers. Um, look, we did this take last week. If you listen to the podcast, uh, Big Ben is done. And this has been absolutely just kind of painful to watch. And like, I hate to say I hate it because I know like Big Ben is not like the most well-liked guy at times, but he is one of the more generational quarterbacks of the last 20 years. And to see him go out like this is kind of brutal. He, he can't do anything. And so, look, I, I, honest to God, I'm a little bit surprised it's not like eight or nine. And I think if it wasn't the Steelers and the name Ben Roethlisberger, it would be more. Um, one, to me, if you're actually wanted some gambling advice, which you shouldn't take from me, this is a teaser basket and a half. Like, why in the world would you not tease the Packers down to plus a half and then the Bucks to like a pick them or something? Pick your other link. It doesn't matter. Um, I am all over the Packers here, though, minus six and a half. I think the Steelers suck. I'm, I, I, uh, here I am with Lee Corso. I'm in agreement with you uh, there, Rippy. I love the Packers here. I think that the Steelers are done. There we go. That was actually a pretty solid impression. I'm impressed by that. I one. think I did good with that, right? No, no, you were deep in the film study. That was pretty good. Um, and I mean, like cussing is allowed on this podcast, but like on TV, it's not allowed. So like if you'd slipped in a cuss word, that's like not allowed. And everyone like looks at you like you've seen a ghost. I was going to go with chicken salad, uh, but I didn't. Okay, there we go. There you have it. Now we're into the Sunday and the Monday night game. We got two weeks left in our week four picks in the league that plays for pay. The Tom Brady Bowl, I've honestly find this storyline a little bit overrated. They've tried to like, I say they've tried. I haven't paid a ton of attention to the media and how like how this has been covered this week. But it seems like anytime I get on social media, it's like them trying to get a soundbite out of either Mac Jones, Bill Belichick, or Tom Brady about either Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, or Mac Jones. And I just don't really get it. Like, the Patriots are probably a 500 team at best. The Buccaneers are a Super Bowl contender. Like, it, it is what it is, man. Like, you had the greatest dynasty on earth. Like, the fact that they don't uh, – on earth. In the history of the NFL, like, you, you don't – they don't have to be best friends, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. And, like, we're trying to make this more than it is. With that said, ran aside, it is Patriots plus seven at home. I, I can't believe I'm doing this because – the way that Bucks defenses look vulnerable, particularly against the pass last week, they lose in L.A. to the Rams. And I thought, like, the one thing you couldn't do on the Bucks was run, and they ran it with decent success. So I can't believe I'm doing this with the rookie quarterback, but I, I think I'm going Patriots plus seven here. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, like, uh, didn't they, like, try to work on Lane Kiffin and try to get, like, a sound bite on Lane, on Lane Kiffin talking about uh, whatever his name is? Uh, what's that guy that coaches in Alabama? Oh, yeah, he's he's famous. Uh, yeah, Nick Saban. Anyway, uh, with that being said, man, it's just uh, – it's kind of hard for, for that situation to go about. I just think that uh, – the Patriots are in the good situation and they're good players and they're across the board, but I, I, I like the other team. You're on the bucks here. I, I don't hate that pick at all. Cause like part of me thinks that Tom Brady just kind of wants to MF Belichick a little bit. There is friction there. Even though I just spent the last five minutes saying I don't buy into that storyline. They're the much better team, but I just don't necessarily trust the Bucks defense yet. And I say that as a fantasy owner of the Bucks defense as I keep going back and forth. So I don't know. We'll see. 
Um, last one, Monday night football. This is going to be awesome for a number of different reasons. The two and one LA Chargers uh, hosting the Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr looking like an MVP candidate. You know, is this kind of the classic September, October, John Gruden, and they fade away later? Is this for real? I actually tend to think it's for real. At the same time, Justin Herbert, man, through a year and a half has been about as impressive of a quarterback as we've seen. You know, everyone wants to make the Mahomes comparison. And I get it, same division, whatever. But Mahomes, and I'm not doing the Colin Cowherd, Herbert's better than Mahomes thing. Just I'll spare you of that. But Herbert looked like a rookie of the year candidate with a completely incompetent coaching staff. I mean, the coaching staff got fired and everyone left the year being like, holy shit, this Herbert guy's the truth. To where Patrick Mahomes inherited the best possible situation any quarterback in the National Football League could inherit. And so I, I just, I've thought about this a lot in the last week and it's like, what is Herbert's ceiling? Like he just kind of made a lot of that dysfunction around him last year seem relatively seamless. Like it didn't face him. The team wasn't good, but no one, no matter what Chargers loss it was last year was like, ah, rookie quarterback, Herbert sucks. Every single week it was like, Herbert's awesome. The team sucks around him. And the last guy to do that was Andrew Luck. And so I, I'm, I don't want to put a cap on what Herbert's done, but I've also rode the the Raiders kind of like a cocaine train to stay on brand early in the year. I think I'm going. I think I'm going Chargers minus three. I'll probably change it before kickoff. I love both of these teams to make the playoffs. I'm high on both of them, so this is a real conflict. I'll go Chargers minus three because it's in LA, even though it's not a home field advantage. What are your thoughts? Yeah, man, I, I like Chargers uh, with you on that. Uh, man, I just think Justin Herbert's a, as a player. You know, uh, there's certain things that he brings to the table that, uh, that you know, he makes plays on certain situations that I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not going to uh, take against any uh, of the uh, – what's that guy's name? Uh, for the, the quarterback for the Raiders. Derek Carr. He's yeah, been awesome, Derek, too. He's a good-looking guy, you know, and, like, he's uh, thrown – I mean, you know, they uh, they played against the uh, the Ravens, and they've won a couple good games. But, I mean, like, I don't know. I just think it's Justin Herbert's uh, year, and uh, I think that, that Justin Herbert and the, and the Chargers both through on this. I like the, the, the Chargers. Those are our picks. That's been week four of the NFL. It flies by every year, buddy. Can't believe we're a fourth of the way or almost a fourth of the way. I guess we got 18 weeks this year of the NFL football season. Uh, I've enjoyed it as always. I was about to say the podcast is over, but are you about to ready to hear something that's just going to get your juices flowing? You ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. So I'm going to read the, uh, I'm going to read the skybox free plays as a reward for everyone who stuck it out through the end of this marathon of a podcast. Scott Box's free plays in college football. Rutgers first plus 15 and a half. Then the Notre Dame Cincy over 50 and a half. So that's kind of a tongue twister. Rutgers plus 15 and a half. Sprinkle the money line, Scott Box says. And then the Notre Dame Cincinnati over 50 and a half. The free play in the NFL 
is Vegas plus three. So they disagree with us on that. That's probably going to get me to switch back, honestly, because Skybox is six and one on the free plays, the Rippy Rights listeners. And then the other NFL free play, Giants Saints over 41 and a half. So those are the free plays, but that's not what's going to get your juices flowing. Are you ready for this one? Oh, so we picked BC Clemson after the fact, right? Or at least I did kind of take a teaser. While we were recording this show, I texted the guys at Skybox and I said, left one out. What about BC Clemson? It's Clemson minus 15. Do you know what they said? Chicken salad. Clemson, or no, excuse me, Boston College alternate line minus 15. Minus 15. Look, I mean, it just goes to show you, if you've listened to the Rivy Wrights podcast and you know that the uh, sports box professionals, I will say professionals because they are professionals. They, I think that – didn't they go 9-1 last week? Yes, they did. All right, well, I mean, you know, uh, it's fun to listen to us, but, like, truly you need to listen to this uh, the sports – Skybox picks because uh, they know what they're doing. They saved the Holiday and Express. Dynamite into the show. Check them out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Appreciate the time as always, my friend. We shall catch you next week. Hey, look, you know, I think this it should be a good weekend. You know, like don't hate on the uh, the the Ole Miss plus fourteen, and don't hate on the uh, the Arkansas plus eighteen. I think they got shots. I think it should be a good weekend and, uh, you know, get, get some good bourbon and get some good food and enjoy yourself and have a good time. Take it easy, dude. We'll hire you next week. <laughs> All right. That's our show. If you made it to the end, you are some kind of trooper. Maybe just, like, give me a shout-out somewhere, social media, text, tweet, whatever, and just tell me you were one of the survivors of the Bama Week episode. That was two and a half hours and made it to the end. I appreciate you guys listening. It's been awesome to see this podcast grow. Um, it's been cool interacting with everyone on the message board. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, of course, we'll be back at it on the Sunday show with Weldon analyzing whatever the hell happens in this game. I'm looking forward to it. Got a little Sea Island trip in the books. Going to be watching the game. I'll be locked in. I promise you that. That will not distract me from uh, locking in on this game. And uh, it's just going to be all good. We're going to have a great weekend, and I hope you guys do too. And we will talk to you on Sunday.